0: We didn't end up doing Black Klansman, unfortunately. Oh. We were running late. We we went to a bomb restaurant, like really fancy restaurant, had a nice dinner. And we were running late and we were both so full and exhausted that we actually drove to the theater, which is in this mall, and the line to get in the garage was super crazy. We knew they wouldn't have trailers, you know, because it was like a PGA screening. yeah. Which was at seven thirty, and we were still outside the mall waiting to get in the lot at like seven twenty-seven. And I just looked at her and she's like, Yeah, fuck it. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I was fine. I was I was beat. I probably would have fallen asleep.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's I went to go see Fallout a second time. And we went to a really late screening and we had done it after a meeting um with another with a person for the movie. And we had like met that person downtown over like a meal and drinks, and we had, you know, just full full bellies, we'd been smoking, so we were full of smoke and food and beer, and then we went to go sit in this, like, ten, 1045 screening or whatever of a two-and-a-half-hour movie, you know, like, plus 30 minutes of trailers or whatever, and yeah, we were, I was fucking beat through the movie, but...
0: Did you
1: sleep? No, I didn't sleep, I didn't sleep, but I was I was pretty fucking tired. I mean, it was, thankfully, it was my second viewing, so it, I was... Uh, even if I had drifted off, I think I would have been. I wouldn't have b- beaten myself up too much. But I was fine. I made it through. There was definitely a couple parts where I was uh, fading slightly, but n- never, uh, never fully closed my eyes.
0: Dude, I think I close my eyes in movies more often than I don't. At this point, I think
1: <laughs> you're such an old man.
0: Well, I don't know, man. It's. I've tried to quit it, but a lifetime of putting something on to fall asleep to, it's become like a Pavlovian response.
1: I I used to always just have stuff on and I think you do that now like where you just have stuff on in the background all day I kind of don't watch anything now unless I can really sit down and focus on it I like very I'm
0: still mostly like that unless it's like that's why I've been enjoying watching Riverdale because it's one where but even Riverdale man it's like so plotty and I don't know it's just the way I'm wired that if I do miss like yesterday I was watching it late at night because I'm like, okay, I, I want to work on this plot outline that I'm writing. And I'm like, yeah, I'll keep watching this because who cares? You know, like I enjoy the show, but it's not, you know, great TV. But yeah. then I was I was getting into the pitch and 30 minutes went by and I realized the episode was ending and I hadn't really seen much of it and I had to rewind it and start it over.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so like, like I, I I'll do that for, I don't even like, like our, ki- you've been to my place, our kitchen's connected to our living room. You know, I can see my TV from there. And yeah. I like it's not like I'm missing it, but I I also watch such serious shit sometimes that there's, you know, quiet scenes where it's like, yeah, you have to enjoy it by the looks that people are giving. And I'm all about the the quiet looks and what that means and everything that I don't want to miss that shit, too. And so I just I can't be out, I can't even be out of the room for a whole scene. It starts to bother me.
0: Yeah, you know, I've always been like that, but I have gotten I don't really watch shit falling asleep anymore me neither like unless i'm mid movie and then i'm like relocating to the bed you know then i'll like put netflix back on but if i haven't started something i'll just throw on a podcast or some music play it quietly and pass out to that
1: well Shelf forbids a tv in the bedroom she's like absolutely not never we're never having that so i knew that that was going to readjust the way i fell asleep because i used to you know i fall asleep to director's commentaries every fucking night yeah i love that about you yeah, that was. I I fell asleep to DVD menus. I but. used
0: to. I used to picture that sometimes, like when you would tell me that's what you are doing, like, oh yeah, I just threw on the fucking whatever commentary and I am passing out. And I would imagine you like slowly closing your eyes and listening to this director talk. I am like, that sounds soothing.
1: Yeah, that man, nice. it was probably closest to podcasts before I had podcasts to listen to in a way, you know, like, cause there weren't long form interviews with directors. So it was kind of my way of listening to directors talk about movies. That, that would be my guess is why I really took to it. But I don't know. Yeah. Some directors do good commentary. Some, yeah. co- some like, even there's people like Kevin Smith, who I would enjoy his commentaries and want to listen to them. Even if I didn't like the movie, because, because, you know, generally they're entertaining or lighthearted or enjoyable listens with everyone kind of mocking the movie anyway. So I don't know. I, I, I definitely, it's a lost art form. Cause I don't think physical media is as important as it used to be.
0: Well, that's what I was going to say. That's why I still love physical media because you know, it's fun when you're on Netflix or when I'm on Shudder or whatever, to just kind of like burn through a bunch of shit and like kind of get into a little marathon zone where you're just comfortable the whole time and but when I'm watching a Blu ray, especially now since like they're not as prevalent, so the boutique Blu rays have really blown up, you know, which is all about the criterion type treatment of like making every release kind of special. I love finishing a movie and just having like three hours of shit to put on, and yeah. just like, oh, I'm just gonna dedicate this night to this movie and just learn a bunch about this movie, and like really it's gonna be me in the movie tonight, you know, and that's gonna be my experience. And I really enjoy diving deep like that but i also love it because that's when the movie's over and i start playing all the like 30 minute docs or interviews with cast and crew that's when i can start multitasking and i don't feel bad you know yeah that's when it's like okay now i can check my phone i can do some other shit i can like stand in the kitchen which i can see my tv from just like you and like cook or like do the dishes or something like i love that i really that that shit makes me very happy
1: I'm largely podcasting while cooking at this point, I would say. And if I am, if something is on, it's probably something I've seen before a number of yeah. times. Yeah. Like that's I don't rewatch as much as I used to. But if I am, that's if I, if I am rewatching, it's probably as like a background or comfort or I'm showing it to somebody who hasn't seen it. But for the most part, yeah, I'm, I'm only uh, watching old stuff for comfort at this point. I will say, though, in terms of streaming, Filmstruck does have commentaries, and I have watched do, some, yeah. Yeah, so I have gotten some commentaries lately from them.
0: Shutter's doing that more and more, too. They have a lot of uh, certain releases. They have bonus features that you can stream after the fact. Filmstruck's definitely the best for that right now.
1: Yeah, and dude. if I ever get to make movies and I have any kind of career, I will be like calling up companies and being like, hey, can I just like get on the, the short list of people you call for commentaries? Like, I just want to come gab for a while. Like, I hey. think
0: you, it, once you and I are successful filmmakers, we got to just extend this podcast into doing commentaries for people.
1: I mean, like there are podcasts that do film commentaries. They're like, oh, this episode, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we could do something like that sometime depending on the movie. But, I
0: was gonna suggest that, and I thought maybe you wouldn't be into it.
1: It would depend it's, on the movie, yeah, and it it'd would, also
0: be tough if we're remote. Like maybe if we're together, yeah. it's easier. Once you move out here, I feel like we should do that. Like yeah. bonus thing, like we like, you know, once every two months or something, we put on a movie. That could be, oh Phil, you know how I mentioned the idea of our starting our own canon as a series? Sure, that's how we could do the canon.
1: Oh, like actually. Introduce
0: a movie and then do a commentary over it that people can like watch and listen to.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, all right. Well, so let's, we'll we'll talk off mic about that because I figured I would just keep this. I want to talk
0: about it now.
1: Well, I figured I'd keep this in the conversation and just start the podcast now.
0: (laughs) We're making it weird again. Pete Holmes style. We just go, baby. That's just how we roll.
1: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 16 of How's That Day? A Culture Rundown with Tom and Phil. I'm Phil Weidenhaft. Here to introduce you to my Tom, my Tom, my co-host, uh-huh. my bond, my my Tom bond. My yeah. My something. Each week Tom and are I We I gets, rolling? Yeah, I'm rolling, baby. I'm we just, just gonna, sit
0: down and go. We just talk.
1: We're just going to go cuz each Tell week Tell me
0: about God.
1: I'm going to Oh, I got some questions. That's what we're going to talk about this week. All right, hold on. Not each week Tom and I get together and we chat about how our days are going and we work through our thoughts on what's going on in pop culture. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start this week with the same question I ask him every week. But, Tom, I have so many more questions for you this week. This is a question-filled podcast this week. So let's start with the first one. How dat day?
0: That day dat good. That day dat good. It's a good day. It is Thursday, August 2nd, 2018 to give us an alibi if something bad happens. 8.30 um, p.m. Los Angeles time. Uh, today's been good. I, I'm off work right now, uh, so on a little mini staycation, as the cool kids would call it. And let's see, what did I do today, Phil? Let me let me start at midnight. Okay. At at midnight, I was passed out on the couch because I fell asleep. I didn't get a lot of sleep the night before, and I fell asleep uh, probably at 9:30 p.m. on my couch. Woke up. Uh, 2 a.m. with uh, one cat between my legs and another one sitting on my chest, gently pawing at my face, trying to wake me up so I could feed him. So I did. And then I was up uh, super late from like 2.30 to maybe 5.30, watched some Riverdale, CW's Riverdale, and uh, worked on some writing stuff. Woke up this morning, probably around 10.30 or so, Went to the gym, which was great, and then I uh, did some work and some reading, and then I went to go see Teen Titans go to the movie by myself as a 32-year-old man. Uh, Very pleasantly enjoyable. I assume we're not going to do a whole episode about it, so I'll just say I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun. And then I came home, had some snacks for dinner because I was too lazy to make or buy anything, And now I am here talking to you. Nice. That's a nice day. It's been a very fun, relaxing day. I also want to say uh, shout out to my best friend and co writer, Sarah. It is her birthday today. For the next three weeks, she will be older than me again. It's my favorite time of the year when I can make old lady jokes. So happy birthday to Sarah. And yesterday was my sister's birthday, who for the next three weeks will be the same age as me. Little quirk. In our family tree.
1: Happy birthday, Samantha Bond.
0: Thank you. Uh, oh, sorry. Let me do my Samantha impression. Dorksville. <clears throat> <school>. And then <laughs> tomorrow is Tom Brady's birthday, the greatest
1: quarterback in the history of football. So
0: you know, it's a great three days.
1: Oh wow, it's like a whole little cycle for you. It's like a yeah. n- never-ending birthday bonanza. Yeah, it's been
0: a really fun. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Extend the question to how that week because it's been a fun week. My younger brother's birthday was last Saturday. He actually flew out from Nashville to come visit me along with a mutual friend of ours from Boston. Fish was playing two nights at the Forum. Went to a couple Fish concerts. It's it's how
1: many many concerts? How many Fish concerts has Clifford been to?
0: Mm, Probably in the seventy range. Jesus,
1: see, like, I, I guess I don't think of Cliff as being like a giant fan, but I'm, I guess he is at this point.
0: Well, I mean, if you think about it, I know that's an insane amount of number, or an insane number,
1: it an is. insane amount. And of there's nothing you're gonna say band. that's gonna like subdue the fact that he's seen the same band seventy times. Well, ma-
0: uh, maybe this will help. Okay, they've been, they tour every year, many shows a year, and Cliff has probably been around to see them play, or for like. 12 of those years so that's an average of he's seen five or six shows a year and that normally includes like four nights over new year's which we do as a tradition every year which is a big holiday for us like we go see them four straight nights at the garden or wherever so he doesn't travel nearly as much as I did for Fish. But that's, that's
1: still ridiculous. Like, no, there's it's still, no, there's, yes, That's course. ridiculous. Like, don't say that like it's like, yeah, he just saw them four nights in a row. Like, he'll do that. He won't travel, though. Like, I don't, I don't give a fuck. They are four
0: distinctly unique shows, though. That's the I, thing I think a lot of people don't understand.
1: I mean, like, yes, in a way, but also no, in a way. I will, there's like a whole, we're going to do a whole Fish episode. We'll, well do. Well,
0: yes, like, if you saw Paul Simon... Four nights in a row, you would see the same encore every night. Fish, exactly. you'll see four nights in a row, and they'll never repeat a song. It is it is a different experience. It's but just, you have
1: to really like what that experience is. You have to
0: love it more than pretty much anything else in your
1: life. Yeah, that's I'm what not, I'm saying. Yes,
0: it is a very unique scenario. My The thing that always surprises me, or I, I don't quite understand, is, and I'm not saying you do this, you're very open. Phil has gone to see Fish with me I've a seen couple fish. times. i I've, I've enjoyed seeing Fish. And I quote, you said, best show of my fucking life. that's um, my ass off. But the thing I don't get when you tell people you see a band that much is not, obviously there's this shock of just like, what are you doing? Of thinking that's insane. But it's also mixed with this undercurrent of disgust, which I don't really understand. Because it's like, what well, a it i I'm not affecting your life in any way. And B, I clearly do it because I enjoy it. Like, why you got to hate? You know,
1: um, like I, I don't, I don't have a level of... I've no, my disgust, I'm have not saying you do that. Yeah. I, I think you're very
0: open-minded. But I, I say that to so many people and they just look at me like I'm a pedophile or something. It's like, I'm just telling you that I go to a... I see a band a lot because I love them. It's not really... It's not inherently bad. I mean, I get that you don't get it and that you think it's weird. I can't defend it beyond, yeah, I really love doing this so I go. But I just don't understand why it's met with such derision from people it's just weird to me
1: i assume part of it's the fact that it's fish you know like i don't know what people think fish is i'm sure there's a lot of people who have heard of fish who have not actually heard a fish song and have some weird 90
0: plus percent of the people who give me that look have never listened to them
1: yeah so i think people have which really doesn't matter
0: because there's no band most people would ever listen to that would make them want to see a band that many times so that's kind of besides the point anyway
1: yeah, but like even like Shell. Shell is someone who is very openly musical. Musically, I can make her a playlist of old stuff, new stuff, pop music, country, Broadway tunes, whatever. She'll, she'll kind of go with anything, you know, not like heavy metal. She has her limits. But for the most part, she's pretty open minded. But the idea of sitting through a 10 minute guitar solo would make her want to vomit. She, there's just no way she'd be down for that at all. So like you know every I mean it's gonna it's gonna you know vary for everyone. Also that's not really what Fish is, but that's. In, in a, in a I, it's a lot of jamming, man. They're a jam band.
0: It's a lot of jamming. I wouldn't say it's a ten-minute guitar solo. That's not really what they do.
1: But. I mean, like, I, it's not like ten minutes of nothing but guitar. But there's like, what what would ten-minute guitar medleys? What would you call? You know, I don't no, know. It's
0: how... ten minutes of four-person musical improv.
1: But they that's take, but they definitely like take leads and stuff like what, you know, well, you'll yeah, have like, of course. The that'd be super part weird if
0: nobody took a lead at any point.
1: That's what I'm saying. Like they'll do 10 minutes where the guitarist is at the lead and you're, it's very guitar driven, maybe not riff heavy, but chord driven, whatever. And then like, maybe the drummer will go off, Ooh, on but baby, it
0: used, it used to be so riff heavy and boy, those were the good old days. Yeah. they can't <laughs> they,
1: they, they can't riff like they used to.
0: Uh, Trey, the guitarist, he, he used to be able to play super fast shred. He was very melodic and precise. You know, he had the great blend of speed and precision, you know, that you see in a lot of prog rock type bands or, yeah. um, and he, you know, very Hendrix and zappy, I'd say is the, the best blend of what early Trey sounded like. He doesn't really do that as much anymore. He's much more musical now. Like he wrote a, Speaking of musicals, he wrote a musical a few years ago. Um, he's very into classical composition, orchestral composition. But I think it's just his age, probably. Or maybe it just, you know, he did that. He conquered that style of playing, and it doesn't interest him anymore. But it's much more um, Trey handing off the lead to the other musicians, specifically the keyboardist page. He lets the keys lead a lot, Um and it, yeah, it's very melody driven more than riff driven these days. But yeah, obviously, well, I, I'm not here to convince anyone to go like fish. It's just weird to me that people are like, you fucking Satanist when I hear that. I love it. <laughs> well, fish. Just, well
1: just so people are aware, we are going to do an episode where you do try to convince them to go like fish. So I am excited for that episode when we one day do that. And I'm going to do my episode too. Because I think, because my episode, I want to do an episode about Ryan Adams. Because I think he's, he's my favorite, Fish is your favorite, and I think they have unique qualities that they share in kind of broad terms uh, that I think make them interesting cases. And I also think like it's hard for anybody to tell me some band is their favorite without me feeling like that says so much about that person that there's almost no answer that someone can give that would make me kind of instantly go like, oh, sure, okay, that's fine. I almost always am going to be like, oh, interesting. Like if yeah, Like th- is- I think
0: it's interesting you learn about a person and I would say I my goal with that upcoming episode is not to convince people to like fish so much as try to articulate and show why I love fish and then if people are into it great if they're not fucking more room for me to dance baby. yeah
1: but I also want to like ch- I want to challenge you a little bit on what I think I don't want it just to be a fish love fest from you I want to challenge you a little bit on what like Maybe some of the criticisms of the band might be what are some of the challenges that people might have had getting into them? Like, I, and yeah, I want the, like because there's going to be things about Ryan Adams that you're like, this is just not for me in some ways, and you know we'll talk about that. But um, of course, think, yeah, there's
0: pl- there's plenty of fish that isn't for me to be honest, which is weird from a guy who's seen them almost 150 times, but it's true.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, I have more questions. Oh, you wait, hold on. Can you, um, Phil? Can you, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: You want me to ask you a question?
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. You didn't ask me yet.
0: How's that day, Phil?
1: It's 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 been a long one. It's been good, but I've had some very long days. I'm gonna keep complaining about my movie until it happens. That's been really just eating up my time. But otherwise, it's been good. Today, I went to work, and as you know, because I texted you about it earlier, I sh- I work. I'm, I'm a producer on a television show. I, it's a daytime television show. It's kind of like the Today Show, where we have local guests, and um, we're also an NBC affiliate, so we have corporate sponsorship and corporate guests. So we'll have maybe something like a a we had Panera bread on today, as well as a local restaurant, you know, so we'll have this weird mixture of national entertainment news mixed with local guests. And it's this whole like just lifestyle television show. So I work on that. And it's in the same building as the news. And the, basically, our show films every day live from 12 to one. And about around one oh six today, there was an active shooter going on at the Air Force Base. And right near... I live literally two blocks away from the Air Force Base the, where this was happening at. And...
0: This is in Ohio, near This is in Ohio, Dayton.
1: yeah. There was an active shooter uh, alert and the basically what i texted tom earlier which you know i i don't think was that bad but i was saying you know i i hope nothing bad happens you know like i don't want anything terrible to happen but it's always interesting to be in the building when something huge like that happens because you feel this just wave of energy rush through the building and everyone's just rushing around screaming across the room at each other like yelling about facts and who's on hold and who's tweeting what and somebody's trying to get confirmation and someone's tr- like yelling for whatever and like the two hosts of my show that I work on they were the only anchors in the building so they got pulled over to the to do the news anchor stuff and they don't do that every single day and they used to do it a lot they're journalists they went to journalism school but they've you know been hosting this lifestyle show but for them I can see in them like they're like oh we got to get news mode and they like snap into this like super serious mode and it's just I don't know it's kind of thrilling to be there and see everybody who's usually just, like, you know, lazing around and eating potato chips and, whatever, taking it easy, suddenly, like, snap into work mode. It's always, like, a really high-energy thing that's kind of, you know, a rush to be around. You can see, like, these people got into the business for moments like this. And I was, I don't know, it's just fun to be around, despite, like, something terrible possibly happening.
0: So you say it's exciting when something like this happens, but this was particularly unique because this was an active shooter happening in the town, basically where your work resides.
1: Yeah. And not only that, but the, where the so live- this is a
0: true national story breaking live, but it's also a very local story for you. Like akin to the news stations around here two weeks ago when the Trader Joe's hostage situation happened in Silver Lake. So
1: was it? It was resolved, apparently, the whole thing. I didn't, here's what happened. So I was at work, and then I had to go to my other job. So I left work and went to the second job. And I just got out of that job, came home, and Shell was like, so did you hear what happened with the shooter? And I said, no, what happened? She said the whole thing was a mistake. Uh, Somebody, I guess there was a drill going on, and somebody misinterpreted the drill and called it in. And there was, like, multiple calls that caused confusion, so the whole thing was n- there was never a gunfire. There was nothing. It was all like an accidental mishap because of of phone call or something. I guess. Oh, that's interesting. What, so yeah, so no big deal at all. But I still, you know, gotta be in the building when no one knew that because obviously they don't. No one in the building knows that for hours until that's confirmed because the base isn't releasing inf- any information. The mayor's not like at this point. Like senators are calling in. You know, it's like news st- stations to have conversations and criminologists are calling in to talk about what to do in these situations. Like it's a big, like everybody snaps into very serious mode, but then, you, you know, for it all to be for nothing, you know, thank God no one was hurt, obviously. But, you know, you're like, oh, wow. No, but. Was... no but don't. Yeah. yeah but. No, no, no. I'm yeah, just saying I feel like... like you're heading towards, it was
0: disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> like, no, it wasn't disappointing. That
1: that there was though. no one that was hurt, but you know, like you can feel like everybody, you know, just revving up to like, this is going to take over the rest of our week. And then then it's like, oh, nope, not nothing. We're just like back to normal. And you kind of like my potato chips. Yeah. Like that, that like push and pull of like energy, you know, like it's just so kind of interesting to be around. So tell me,
0: was it um, is it like they would show it in HBO's The Newsroom? Are people just running left and forth, passing off papers to each other? What's the scene like? Like, can you get into specifics at least those first, you know, 10 or 15 minutes?
1: Well, yeah, there is there is a lot of that. and they're, The most important thing for them is getting footage and getting it on the air as fast as possible. So, that they, And not only that, but also confirmed things as fast as possible. Because like, you'll hear things really quickly, especially on social media. You'll start seeing a lot of reactions. And they have to confirm those, so you'll have some people who are privately messaging those people on social media saying, like, hey, I work here. Can we use you or can we call you to do a... A voice interview and then you have people who are trying to give directions to drivers who are racing to the base to get the camera set up so that they can get a live shot up and running from somewhere that's good but also like getting somewhere that's close enough that police aren't barricading them off and they can't get a good shot of anything so everyone's trying to like figure out where exactly something's happening on the base which is a huge base and takes like literally like 80,000 jobs of this area up like it's a what's the
0: what's the name of the base
1: the Wright Pat Air Force Base. Right. It's like the f- I'm. It's a huge base. It's one of the. It's like the fifth biggest national air force base or something like that. Um, it's it's pretty high up there. It's a it's pretty huge, and there's a lot of business locally that comes from it. And, and so um, that's
0: close to Wright State, where you're finishing up your degree. Yeah, right it's now, it's right.
1: It's right next to Wright State. Everything's Wright Pat because the Wright Pat or the Wright Brothers. Uh, you know who invented airplanes and everything. This is the area where they grew up and where they tested all their uh, planes. They right, and that's you know, there's the the birthplace of aviation is what this area is known for. So there's a lot of right labeled stuff around here. So, so why did
0: they? Um, why does North Carolina get the first in flight credit? Did they, they actually that, make that's the where test they, in North Carolina?
1: Yeah, they they did all their building and prep work here, and this is where they basically their origins and home base were but the actual launch of the plane was down in north carolina so, so they were like
0: this place is a dump let's go to north carolina and
1: yeah i think it, it probably had something to do with wind conditions or something like that i assume mm, that makes more sense than it being a dump so yeah. did
0: you have any uh, responsibilities during this active shooter news story breaking or was your job done on the lifestyle show and you were just kind of hanging around maybe finishing up work
1: well i work the computer i work on is the old graphics computer and so what happens very rare but occasionally what happens is if something is breaking they have somebody from the graphics department will have to start making graphic like shooting at Wright pat air force base and they have to make the you know the flying graphics that are going to come up on the news in an hour or something like that and so they have to start making that really quickly And they have a lot of save stuff on my computer. So suddenly my computer and there's somebody else's whose computer is broke. So I knew that I would be loaning it out to her to edit that day anyway. So like literally all my stuff was being taken over by people who needed to use it for their jobs. And I was just kind of there. I was helping out like finding footage. I was looking. I was watching the news, which actually I know that sounds silly, but just watching it and letting everybody else know what's aired already and like what they've been talking about because they're not watching it. And like yeah, rela- relaying Twitter to people, you know, you're just going to run around helping out where you can Um yeah. all yeah. hands on deck. Yeah. It's just like, I, I was kind of heading out for the day. So it wasn't like I stuck around for hours and got thrown out into the, you know, huge hurricane of it all. But, you know, it was, I, I was there for a couple hours watching everything and helping out where I could. And it was, it was an interesting thing to be a part of. And I, you know, I've seen stuff happen, especially cause When when there's a national incident or breaking news, you see everything happen. But when it was something this big, this local, it was really, you know, a big rush of energy that kind of came through the building.
0: Yeah, of course.
1: And yeah, but I mean, other so that happened. Otherwise, you know, it was long day. I've been watching. Shell and I finished watching West Wing season three this week. So we we've been watching season two of Glow, which is damn good. Um, I've been really enjoying Glow. And we've been watching stuff like my daughter. I showed her Orange County, um, the 2002 comedy. Of uh, course. Colin Hanks. Yeah, so Jack Black Vehicle. Exactly. um, Before Jack Black was huge. Uh, This was early Jack Black. But it's always been a favorite of mine. I've always loved that movie. And we were just talking about stuff, and that was one that I thought would be an easy watch. And one thing I kind of didn't remember about it was that it's only an hour and 22 minutes. And that's with credits, so it's like... Seventy five minutes long or something. It's oh, wow. really it's really fucking short.
0: But I did not great. remember that either.
1: Yeah, but so I yeah, I loved it though. I was rewatching it, still laughing at stuff throughout the whole movie. I just really enjoy that movie.
0: I remember enjoying it as well. It's been many years, but I think I saw that twice in theaters and then obviously caught it on T V in parts. I remember Jack Black's performance being particularly great. He had a nice little stretch there of high fidelity and then this right after. Before, um, you know, he Before kind of blew he, up with School of Rock.
1: Yeah, like he did that, um, I think. What was School of Rock? 2000, 2003 was School of Rock.
0: Yeah, three or four, something like that. But I was a huge fan of him already because of Tenacious D. And that self-titled album finally came out in 2001, I think. Yeah. So I, I was I was pumping that nonstop. Featuring Paige McConnell and Fish on Keys
1: oh yeah well his career was never the same after 2005's king kong
0: i'm a big fan of that king kong yeah i've told you that before
1: i know his I, before, I, I don't i don't movie. i think he is very miscast i think there's a, multiple people who are very miscast in that movie
0: yeah it, probably adrian brody
1: also among them
0: it's such a true it's such a true epic you know in yeah. the in the filmic sense of the word, I it looks, really it looks it looks in the movie
1: looks amazing.
0: It looks I love how long it is. It's a weird <laughs> so, thing to it's, say. Dude, I really it's so fucking long. It's I really ridiculous. love how long it is. Did you hear that the new Suspiria is over two and a half hours?
1: Yeah, and I don't I don't that doesn't necessarily excite me. Give I mean, it to me, baby. I like I, movies have been a little too long lately. Can we not agree that like every movie does not need to be two and a half hours? Teen like, Titans
0: Go to the Movies was 84 minutes.
1: Exactly. And I bet it was, well, I was just saying, Orange County, like 80 minutes. It was wonderful. Didn't need to be any longer. I still enjoyed it thoroughly. Probably the reason I've rewatched it so many times is because it's so short and easy to watch.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, they. Um I, I feel like we reached, you know, the peak of overblown length in major movies a couple years ago, and I feel like we're starting to trend down a little bit.
1: I hope so. Like I just feel like not every movie needs to be two and a half hours long, especially like superhero movies. Or it's it's superhero
0: movies and Judd Apatow. They are to blame.
1: Like it Get Out, Get fault. Out is an hour forty four minutes, and it doesn't need to be a minute longer. You know, no, or like, a minute I, shorter. Yeah, exactly. It's just like a movie that can be a perfect. I feel like an hour and forty five is kind of the perfect runtime, and not that every movie should be that. But if you if you can be in that time period or space of time you should probably aim for it i feel like that's a good movie time
0: i agree with you you should only go long you should only hit two plus hours if it's absolutely necessary to the movie
1: i think the coen brothers only have one or two movies that cross the two hour mark they've i I read an interview with them like they're very conscious they're like we don't want our movies to be any longer than two hours
0: yeah i mean two hours is you're asking a lot if you hit two plus hours
1: Well, you know, all right, not to go on a tangent, like, cause I know we, we want to get started on the topic, but it's really bothering me. Cause like you will easily sit down and watch, I mean, you're a different story, but like general Joe Schmo America can sit down and watch three, three hour fucking football games in a row, like all Sunday. But the idea of watching a two and a half hour movie is just like a daunting task. Like, but a nine hours of football is like, Oh, I can do that. That's no problem. Football
0: is live and unpredictable, and people normally have something. Cinema
1: is unpredictable, my friend. Ugh, God. The best That's going to
0: be the poll quote people use to justify why you were harassed incessantly on Twitter or something for being a douchebag.
1: Cinema is unpredictable at its best.
0: Yeah, but sports sports are live. You have at least uh, an emotional investment in it if you're a fan. A lot of people have money riding on it. Um, sports are different. It's You can't compare sports to movies. I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm just other talking more
1: about attention. That's, that's really all I'm talking about. Like, but sports, you can also,
0: it's a different type of attention. We were just talking about how, uh, before we started recording, how we can't really multitask with a movie. You want to give your undivided attention. Sports, you don't need to do that.
1: Well, it's, it's depending on the person, I guess. Some people are freaks about it. but
0: I spent a lot of New York Sundays at sports bars for 11 hours watching football. Not a single person was intently watching every second of all of those games. That just sure, does not.
1: Happen. Sure, sure, sure. I mean yeah, and I used to do that too. I don't have the time for football like that anymore, but there was definitely those years where I was watching, you know, three games a day, especially like the fantasy years where I was like more into that. And I was watching four three or four football games every day and then like Sunday and Monday and then Thursday games and all that. Yeah. It's too much. All right, so let's dive in. What I wanted to do today was, you know, we've been talking about, like, movies. We had a serious convo last week. I just kind of wanted to do a, like, get to know you, a relaxed episode, a chatty episode, where we just asked each other a few getting to know you. We know each other very well, but the audience doesn't know us, and I figured we could ask each other questions that you don't know what I'm going to ask you. I have 10 questions for you. You have, I think, 10 questions for me. Sure, yeah. 10 questions. Do you? Yeah, sure. Do you? All right, you piece (laughs) of shit. You've only had four weeks or something to prepare. Um, I'm a a good
0: improviser. I'll think of some good questions.
1: Fine. All right. Well, I've got 11 questions. Good. All right. But would you then do all right? Do you have any questions? I have things. All right. How about I start with you then? I'll ask you a question. Is that the whole intro
0: or are we going straight to the questions?
1: Well, what, what else is there to say? I, you know, I figured I would. Ask, we. What do you want to do? You want me to ask you a question, and you ask me a question? You want. You want to do all? Yeah, I think
0: I think one one at a time. Right? We go, bing bang, bing bang, bing bang, boom.
1: All right. Well, here's the next decision. If I ask you a question, do I have to also answer the question I ask you?
0: Um, we can leave that up to uh, on a per question basis.
1: Sure. I mean, because like some of them, I just I could be pretty easy. It's just more about time. For that's yeah. all I'm thinking of. Sure, sure. Okay, let's see so, how it goes. We'll see how it I goes. I mean, right. I didn't prepare
0: any questions, so that could
1: be good. Oh God,
0: <laughs> Phil, I love you so much. Oh my God,
1: look, I, I I'm sorry that I have had battery problems the last few episodes. I've got it fixed. I've got it taken care of, but you're killing me. Um, <laughs> all right, Tom. Question number one. Okay. I'm going to, i not all of my questions are necessarily pop culture questions, but I, I try to stay. In I would hope not. Of, yeah. yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah I, But there's, there's most of them are kind of pop culture, but they're not all like, they're not all lists or something like what, what's your five favorite thing They're not, they're not all that, but here's okay. my first question. Okay. What is something in pop culture that you love deeply that almost seemingly no one else loves? That you're just like I'm in on this, and no one else likes this. I mean,
0: we talked about fish, although it has fans.
1: Fish has its fans, but I'm, yeah. I guess I don't know. A movie, an album, a, a TV show that you're just like. There is about four other people that I can think of that like this, and maybe because it's so bad, and you're the only person that likes it. Maybe because it's so weird. I don't know. What's what's something that makes you unique? That's a good question, Phil.
0: I mean, it's hard to say like nobody else. There's really, sure. You know. What's the
1: most limited? Like you just think has the smallest fan base of anything that you like. Right. Okay. And I'll um, be and remember, I'll be editing this for time. So if you need like some a moment to to think, I can trim your pause. The
0: f- the first thing that popped into my head, although I know it's it has a growing base of fans as the years pass, but the movie Speed Racer is Mm. one that the 2008 Wachowski sisters version is one that, um, you know, has, has its defenders, but it's It's not a small group. It's a small group. And it's not just a movie that I like that people don't appreciate. It's a movie that I think is a legit cinematic masterpiece that would make my best films of the last decade. Um,
1: 37 Metascore.
0: I don't think, I don't think <laughs> is there that low?
1: 37, that's
0: correct. That's, a, that's ridiculous. Yeah, I unabashedly love that movie. I think it's a true classic. I think it succeeds in every way as a family film, as a drug movie, um, as a as a one-of-a-kind piece of entertainment, as being way ahead of its time, as an adaptation. It's just, all everything about it is great. to be interested in only one thing.
1: All he talks about. All he seems capable of thinking about. Is automobile racing.
0: Um, that's the first thing that came to my mind. I'm trying to think of something less popular than that, though.
1: Well, all right. Well, Why do you think here? I was. The reason I was thinking of Speed Racer, I was texting you. I was listening to the Blank Check podcast, which I've mentioned on here before. They talk about director's filmographies. They were doing the Wachowskis. I was listening to the Speed Racer episode. And they were talking about how no one likes this movie. And they also were going on about how this is one of the most underrated masterpieces of the century and like it does not get any of the respect that it's deserves and they argued that they think a lot of that is because one this the energy and the cutting of it was so ahead of its time that people just mentally couldn't kind of process it the first time they saw it and a lot of it also they said was that it was they believed a sh- too too straight-faced and too Pure an adaptation. There, it was an actual adaptation of the Japanese anime and all the weird quirks that come with Japanese anime. So, and also like with a more intellectualized scale to it as well. So, not only are they, it's like a two and a half hour Japanese cartoon, and that's really fucking weird. When they were using like the Scooby-Doo movies, for example, they're like, you know, when you update the Scooby-Doo movies, you have like Matthew Lillard kind of winking at the camera in terms of like, oh yeah, Shaggy's a stoner. You know, like we all know we all it's kind of this like wink wink. Don't, isn't it a little silly that we all used to like Scooby-Doo? You know, like it's not a straight just Scooby-Doo episode. You know, they kind of have to wink at the material a little bit like same with the Brady Bunch adaptation or something like that. They're kind of mocking the material as much as they're doing it. Whereas Speed Racer, it's like, no, no, no. They're doing this as serious and as heartfelt as possible. Yeah,
0: Story wise, it's a very heartfelt family film. A major
1: subplot is about, like, monkeys fighting and, like, looking for candy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying, like, in terms of...
1: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It has that weird mixture of, like, that would be a C-plot in an episode of the series. And it's a C-plot of the movie.
0: You know, aesthetically, the way they they shot it is a huge reason why I think it's so brilliant. Um, What you were saying about trying to adapt, uh, you know, this this Japanese animated movie, they, they, I've never seen a movie still to this day, 10 years later, that was able to adapt just the insanity of anime or manga or like that in a live action space, you know, the, the way they're able to capture the physical world, like the universe that that story inhabits in a live action way was, and still is unprecedented. It's just never been, Accomplished the way they were able to accomplish it, and for that reason, it is so inherently rewatchable to me because it's just kind of a mind-blowing spectacle every time I put it on. Um, I don't know, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to think of something I think, else. I
1: think that's a good answer. You don't have to think of anything. Yeah, else. That's, that's, the, that's a good that's, answer.
0: That's what comes to mind is the Wachowskis' 2008 film, Speed Racer.
1: And I was with. I. I don't. I wish I could remember what we went to go see that weekend instead. But you and I went to this movie to see something, and it was sold out, so we went to go see Speed Racer instead. And I very clearly remember your mind being blown that first time. So you've been an OG Speed Racer fan.
0: Yeah, for sure. So All what right. would your what would your answer to that question be?
1: <sighs> see, this, uh, what's something that I love more than most? <sighs> Center Stage. The... That was my first thought. It's always my first thought in terms of movies. I enjoy musicals and people dancing and ballet movies. It's I. It took me at some point to realize that, but actually I think Center Stage was one of the movies that I saw in high school that helped me realize that I liked it because I was like, why is this corny teen romance appealing to me so much? Why am I enjoying it? And I realized so much of it was about not just the dancing, but how the director shot the dancing because that movie, even though it is a corny Teenage romance melodrama, they cast mostly ballerinas and real ballet dancers in the roles. So the acting's not always the best throughout the movie, but all of them are amazing dancers and the camera can stay wide and just show them doing their thing and they don't have to fake it. And that's one of the things I love about the movie. And it's always a movie I've just really enjoyed and found to be an easy watch. And I saw it at a kind of formative time in my life. And I've always really liked center stage and I don't really care. That it has a very bad reputation. It's mostly known for its bad acting and Mandy Moore soundtrack, but I really like that movie and I always have. And I think it's not one that's been remembered in the histories of time, but that's my answer. Oh, I got it. Oh. This is one of our students, Jody Sawyer. We have so many promising students this year, I find it hard to keep them
0: straight. Don't worry, I won't forget. You know who I saw on my way in? Cooper Nielsen. Jody Sawyer, hop on. We'll go for a ride.
1: Hey. Did he seem as cocky in person as he is on TV? I heard he hasn't spoken to anyone. But he talked to me.
0: Yeah, I would say I've never seen Center Stage, and until you described it, I completely forgot what that even was. So that's a good answer. <laughs>
1: exactly, yeah.
0: So your not- um, That answer made me think of Another movie, I actually have two other ones that I don't love on the level of Speed Racer, but one movie that I know is hated. Uh, again, every movie has its fans, but Grease 2 is one movie that I love.
1: You love Grease 2? I know that I it's mean, probably better than its reputation. I, have it, but I don't such know. A
0: so- I mean, I watched it so many times as a kid, I probably could
1: still sing
0: almost why? all of those songs. Why were you watching you
1: put- Grease 2 as a kid, you weirdo?
0: Whatever my parents owned on VHS, which means whatever my mom bought, she was a musical fan.
1: She must but be when, to have Grease. Did she have Staying Alive too? No. Oh, okay.
0: Um, I've never seen Staying Alive. You've Oh, day. dude,
1: you we've got that's one we'll do a commentary on Staying Alive.
0: <laughs> As I watch it for the first time and you're yeah. trying to talk about shit, I'm like, "Shut up, this is really good."
1: No, yeah, no, Gre- you won't you'll be like, "What am I what, who did this?" And I'll be like, "Sylvester Stallone did so,
0: this." So the podcast called How Did This Get Made? Um, very funny podcast. Three hosts. They talk about terrible movies. And they did an episode on Grease too. And I got super excited to listen to it. I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. They're just going to shred it, but I'm also going to relive all these moments through the eyes of these great comedians. And the one female host, June Diane Raphael, um, who's on Grace and Frankie and a couple other things, she unabashedly loves Grease 2 and she just spent the whole episode defending it and I was so happy I wanted to cry like it made me so happy to find someone else like I know my brother and sister who watched it a bunch I'm sure they have a soft spot for it too and are fans but I have never until I listened to that podcast heard anybody else earnestly try to defend uh, Grease 2 that made me very happy another movie that i thought of is the stoner snowboard comedy out cold from like 2001 jesus yeah starring an early zach galifianakis and jason london and jason lee i think is maybe in it Mm. too but um that movie i remember seeing in theaters and i really loved it and everybody hates that movie they just think it's unfunny it just checks off a lot of boxes i love the ski resort setting in movies i find that very comforting it also has a lot of like casablanca ripoff tie-ins to the plot
1: okay and i don't yeah i don't i don't remember this at all yeah, i mean just, i remember the poster it's a dumb
0: it, comedy but i it's a personal favorite of mine and all no, right. I, nobody remembers that movie or cares about it
1: all right what's your what's your first question for me or should <laughs> i keep going have you not thought no about no it? no. i got a,
0: i got a good question okay okay This is a hypothetical
1: Okay Okay, I'm ready
0: You Find out you have Five years left to live And You're visited by a deity Call it God, call it whatever And they say Phil, you can do One of two things With your remaining time on this earth you can have the budget of your choice, the cast of your choice. You'll, you'll be given everything you need to make the movie of your dreams. But it's going to be hated upon release. No one's going to like it. People aren't going to get it. Sure. And then you die. And you don't know what's going to happen to the reception of the film afterwards maybe it becomes a cult classic, maybe it's forgotten for eternity, who knows? Or you can not make a movie and you pass away.
1: What, what do you do? Why is that even a choice? I would make the movie. Why would I make the movie?
0: Why wouldn't you make the movie? Yeah, why wouldn't
1: I? I don't give a fuck if no one likes it. That, like I mean, I do. That's not to, I that's ridiculous. If anyone says they don't care if anybody likes what they're making, that's a ridiculous well, here's, the, the, the but i would certainly uh, you would just have to trust that some like no one's gonna like is it gonna be like because even heaven's gate you know depending on the size you know it's like it has its people who appreciate it so if i could get well you know, you'll like,
0: be dead before anyone appreciates it if they sure. ever do and
1: all the more reason to do whatever you want and just go crazy but you know your time on earth is limited So do I want to spend it slaving over this movie? Exactly. Ah, so you're saying the choice is I only have five years. Do I spend it, say, with my family and all that? Or do I work on this movie altogether like that I hope is my swan song or something? Your your legacy on this earth. Hmm. I mean, that's a tough one. The idea, I mean, like, I, I think my instinct now, when you put it like that, obviously the instinct is like, well, of course I should spend it with my family. But
0: not that you would completely ignore your family, you know, of but course, as, yeah. as opposed to like, OK, I know I have this amount of time left. I'm going to do everything I can to just appreciate who I'm with, whatever, you know, go on vacations, do everything. Or you've had this lifelong dream of what you want to do with your life. Here's your opportunity to do it. But at some, you know, serious cost.
1: I would make the movie. OK. That that's what my gut tells me now. My gut feeling or my feeling being, I don't. I, if I have all that money and budget and everything, it's not going to take me five years to do it. You know, it's not. It's not going to take.
0: Okay, what if you had eighteen months?
1: It's, sure. Okay, yeah. I mean, do I want to spend my last eighteen months making what I hope ends up being a movie that's well received and regarded? And even though it I, will I know not be i it will well, be well received, what I'm saying, what I'm saying. Oh, I know you. You're that's right. You're saying it's going to be hated. You know um, it's going
0: to be hated.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. I still make the movie. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily care that it's hated right away. That's not the. I, I'm much more concerned about the time away from family at that point. But the other part of it, it I, I know there's, this is a hypothetical and everything. But my feeling is, even if I was on that vacation with my family and whatever, if it was. Eight five years of vacations. I I don't know that I'd want five years of vacations because eighteen months. I changed it to. You changed so. okay. Yeah, you reduced it to eighteen. Now you reduced it to eighteen months. Maybe that changed. You know, that's a lot different than five years. But yeah, if it's eighteen months, then probably I'm choosing the vacations. You know, and that's fine. But if it's five years, I'm choosing the movie. Hmm. That's my okay. answer. Eighteen cool. months. I mean, like yeah, eighteen months. I feel like you know, if it's eighteen months, then I'm. I'd rather see the world. I'd rather. Visit a bunch of people. I'd rather make peace with some things. I'd rather tra- see things, uh, experience some things, check some things off the bucket list, spend time with the people I love. Uh, you know, that all sounds way more important to me than a, m- a movie, especially if I only have 18 months. But if I have five years, then I think my gut is like, I, I bet I could squeeze the movie and some travel in there too. And it'll be yeah. good. <laughs> you know, I can do both. That'll, that's my feeling if I have five years, is I'll try and okay. do both.
0: You want to know my answer?
1: What? Neither. Neither? You kill yourself.
0: <laughs> no, nah, I would just watch movies until I died.
1: Oh. No, no, no. Yeah, I, would just I, gotta get,
0: I would just get in and out every night and uh, just work my way through the entire Criterion collection.
1: No, see, my feeling was like, oh no! I, if anything, going, I feel like going and making that movie would extend my life. I would have a better chance of my life being extended if I was working. No, it. there's
0: no hope of that film. It's terminal.
1: You're okay. So okay. <laughs> you're not gonna make it's it. It's in your bones, <laughs> baby. Yeah.
0: No, I would take all the money from the budget, uh, disappear, and find some crazy mad scientist to cure my disease. But then he turns me into a Frankenstein.
1: Oh, then then you yeah. get then you would get your bride. And I would get my bride. yeah. And then she would freak way.
0: out at the sight of me
1: <laughs> and just scream in terror, yeah.
0: And then, uh, then I'd be like, "All right, we got a story, baby." No, I, know- I would. Uh, I would also make the movie if I, especially if I had never made one before, and you know,
1: you don't have to say I what know- it is, but do you know what the movie would be off the top of your head right now? Like, do you know what you would want the movie to be like? You would, like the idea that you're like, "Oh, that's the movie that I would invest everything in."
0: if i if i knew i could only make one movie in my life
1: if it happened right now somebody's like all right here's the time you, and you're like all right i have to choose the movie today like do you know what that movie is
0: yeah it probably be being a porno
1: <laughs> okay um, that's the biggest no, budget I, the biggest budget porno know, <laughs> nap, i want 100 million dollars photos. for this fucking thing i'm um, going to pay i'm going to pay some huge hollywood act i'm going to pay julia roberts 30 million dollars to like do anal oh <laughs>
0: Jesus. Don't get specific. It becomes weird. Oh, oh, I'm
1: the one who made it weird. You're the one who's like, oh I'm gonna shoot a porno with all my yeah, money. Yeah, but I didn't
0: I didn't name names. I didn't degrade anybody. F- Come on, man. You're
1: I degraded Julia Roberts. Come on. she deserves better than that.
0: Um right. I would I would I, I don't know specifically. There I have like two thoughts that came into my head. And okay. I well, guess, I,
1: I, yeah. I don't. I, I mean, it's okay. I was just curious if you like were like, oh yeah, I know. I know the. I know the dream one.
0: Well, I'm torn between what I think would be, you know, the best story I have, or the one that I think would best represent who I am as a person. You know, it's kind of, though. That's the conflict in my head. If I if I could only choose one, so hopefully I don't have to.
1: Yeah. And okay. My second question is the reverse of my first question. What is something you hate, absolutely hate, that it seems like everybody loves? Everybody. You're just like, oh, really? You too? You like that? Okay. I've never mm-hmm. liked it. What is something you hate?
0: Good question. Um, hate's a strong word, obviously, but...
1: You might be able to like see some merits in it or something, yeah, yeah. but generally well, you Especially just, when like, it, it
0: comes to movies, you know, I, I can see sure. a lot Sure, or good.
1: there's a band that every, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're yeah. just like, or you're just like, really? Come on. <clears>
0: Back- not hate... Not hate, but up until, I don't know, seven years ago. Up until I was probably like 24 or 25, I did not get Bruce Springsteen at all. Sure. The boss was a guy I just didn't understand why people loved. Um, but then I eventually got it, and I love him. Um,
1: and he's my, like, <laughs> number two, or arguably my number one at times, favorite artist of all time, so. Yeah.
0: Um <sighs> That's a good question. Hmm. It. uh, I'm definitely leaning towards something musical.
1: The the one I've struggled with musically that just gets rave reviews constantly, always gets five stars from Rolling Stone is Jack White. Like no matter what he does, and I'm just like, I like some of it. Some of it's good. I really like. I like this album here or something, but it's not all like he's the savior of rock and roll type. I don't. I don't see that. I don't get why he. Is has been decided to be some rock god
0: I don't think he's universally loved like that though like, cri- I'm I guess critically he's really loved and I've <clears throat> yeah. never
1: understood the critical response to him
0: I think my answer would hmm.
1: <laughs> Nirvana really? I love Nirvana I've heard that d- from multiple people lately and I still I, I, I stand for Nirvana
0: I don't hate Nirvana at all There there are a couple songs that I like but that whole, that wave of music that they brought into the world, that grunge era, just it doesn't do anything for me, really.
1: You were never like a big hard rock guy, like you like your Zeppelin type hard rock, but you're not like you. You were never into like corn or anything like. Oh, that.
0: Oh, I, I well, I was into corn when I was twelve years old. For sure, were you? I, I yeah. guess. I oh, mean, yeah. I
1: was definitely into corn. I guess I don't picture you, you know, listening but that's to Sane like or something, you know.
0: Not not really stained, but that kind of like new metal that you know white hip hop meets hard rock that was all the. I feel like
1: Post Malone is the current version of that. By the way, Post Malone for me is the current Corn. Post Malone
0: seems more optimistic than Corn though. Corn sure. is kind of goth and emo.
1: You um, fucking raped
0: me. Yeah. <laughs> and Oh, but fuck you! Remember that All in the Family song he did with Fred Durst? Yeah. Good yeah. God, no! I was a corn fan, but yeah, grunge—you um, know, alternative rock in the early mid '90s—I was never into. There are a lot of bands from that era, like Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots,
1: Pearl Jam. The
0: Pearl Jam, I I appreciate more, or I appreciated more when when I was in my 20s. But at the time, yeah, for sure, not really a per- Sound Pearl Garden? Jam fan. Sound Garden. That type of music is one, especially. I guess that's that's a better answer. Specifically speaking of our generation that grew up on stuff like that, I you was just never, you have no concept of Kurt
1: Cobain being like the John Lennon or no. something like, like that. That, that yeah, doesn't make Jane's sense. Jane's
0: Addiction, bands like that, like they they all have their things that I can enjoy, but I can't. I've tr- and I've tried. I've tried pretty much all those bands to just play an album, and I just can't do it.
1: I will only say... With the exception of Pearl
0: Jam. Pearl Jam, there are a few albums I really like, but...
1: I will only say that I generally don't listen to most of those bands anymore at all. I know a lot of those bands, like, there might be a few Owls and Chain songs here or there that might come up on a mix that I won't be upset if they come on or if I hear it on the radio. It's not really my... I don't, I don't know anybody who listens to a lot of stone temple pilots every day at this point, but you know, it's uh, to the point that I like some of that stuff, but mostly I, I consider Nirvana kind of separate from all that. I know that there's, uh, it's kind of like how the Beatles influence so many bands that sound like the Beatles, but there's just still the Beatles for me. Nirvana is kind of in that ballpark of I, part of it is what they did and the actual music itself. And some of it is the idea behind the music, like where they're, Fucking conventions, like at that point, the their unplugged show was unlike any unplugged show ever. At that point, because they chose to do they they chose to do meat puppet songs and David Bowie covers, and did not perform an acoustic version of "Smells Like Teen Spirit." They were kind of always trying to resist the fame and the temptations of getting too big. And I like I love that the first line of "In Utero" is "Teenage Angst" has paid off well. And he's very self-aware. And that album's like a big fuck you to mainstream music. It's like they went out of their way to like make a really uncomfortable rock album. So I, I always have such kind of respect for that stuff. But I understand if you're like, I don't get why they're the band that created this whole genre.
0: Yeah, it's just not my type of music. <laughs> yeah, I,
1: I, I find the older I get, the less angry I am and the less need I have for that stuff. But when I'm at the gym, man, if I'm listening to Nevermind or Inutero, in I'm in i am I'm I'm pumping iron pretty good. <laughs> I'm such a bro. Yeah, bro.
0: I want to think of a movie that everyone loves that I hate.
1: My quick answer is Gravity. Fuck you. I fuck. It. I mean, like obviously the special effects are amazing, and there's a stretch of that movie where the like, especially the early, the first like 45 minutes ish, I think are fantastic. But I think that the
0: first 45 minutes of a 90 minute movie.
1: Yeah, so but the, I think the second half of that movie is hot trash. Like the script. So is, as a yeah.
0: as a wannabe director, you decide to ignore literally half of the movie that is a technical marvel and genius filmmaking and go as far as to say you hate that movie
1: i hate the script to that movie Mm -hmm. okay and i also am not a big sandra bullock fan Mm, speed she's great in speed she's great in speed it's kind of like i'm not a big renee zellweger fan but i love her and jerry Maguire. it's kind of like i love their origin points but what they did with their career after that didn't thrill me very much i guess
0: my answer would maybe be donnie darko
1: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I, that's definitely got a big cult following. I'm a big fan. You've never really been big on that one, even though I feel like you should. Yeah. Maybe, but I'm Interesting. not. Interesting. Okay, okay. Just like it's just too weird for you. You never connected to it. You don't like the how... You, ha- you have to do like outside research to understand the movie. Like, is there anything in particular that bothers you? Cause Richard Kelly really kind of burned out quickly after that. He was, I think it, not that he was a phony, but kind of exposed for having not quite the, the grand, he didn't have the ability to pull all his ideas together.
0: Well, not only that, but my initial reaction to this, that movie was, oh, this is just a bunch of bullshit. And I feel like not that I was proven right. Cause it's obviously subjective and, Whenever any movie, especially one that is kind of not understood and grows a following, I think that's cool. So I'm all about the the cult love Donnie Darko has, but it is interesting to me that he was never able to replicate anything close to that again. Not, not even as, you know, some what-the-fuck cult weird midnight movie, but just a good movie. <laughs> like, he was never able to do that again. And... I think it's super interesting that the beloved cut of that is the studio cut and not the director's cut. Like the universal response to that movie is that the director's cut is significantly worse. And to me that further validates my opinion that, it's just all a bunch of bullshit.
1: I well for some for some people they're saying the director's cut is better because of like the music changes and stuff. Or like I'm I'm saying the studio cut they prefer some of the music cues in that one that were changed for the director's cut. There's weird things like that that were changed and they added some stuff that I think clarifies some uh, some stuff like about the time holes and the alternate dimensions. And it tries to kind of give you a little bit more information about that in some ways that are very clunky. Like there's literally an inserts of book pages that Donnie's reading and that are explaining wormholes because otherwise I don't think the movie is giving you enough clues that you need to be, that you need to know about wormholes and alternate dimensions, you know, for to understand the plot of what's happening in that movie. For me, I haven't watched it in a number of years, but I think the, the cast and outside of the weirdness of the plot in terms of what's Donnie's mission to go back in time and save his family, I think none of that really works or is very clear and is very largely mysterious and doesn't connect in any, like interesting way. It's all kind of abstract, but I don't know that it matters in that movie for me because the emotional through line works. And a lot of that is the music cues and the mood and the time, the time period that it's taking place in. That's the stuff that works for me and that I remember from that movie. It's the way Frank the Bunny Rabbit made me feel, not so much like what his mission was. That stuff doesn't interest me and I agree doesn't really connect. And I think his later career stuff, he was trying to have his, do more complex, strange ideas and didn't focus as much on the characters. And a simple, like for me, the simple family dynamic is much more emotionally investing than the sprawl of Southland Tales, which is just, Gobbledygook of ideas and incoherent idea, uh, incoherent thoughts and tangents. You know.
0: Yeah, I just thought Donnie Darko was boring. check my notes. Let's see what I wrote down here. Okay. Uh, You can turn... No, because I know the answer to that one. I don't want to do that one. (laughs) I was going to say you could turn any movie into a musical, but I think I know the answer to that. Face-off. But the audience doesn't. Yeah, it's face-off. That's just a little... Just so you know, for Phil,
1: um, the actual answer—that's that's a joke answer. I actually, the, the real answer is uh, Meatloaf's "Bat Out of Hell," but that's not a movie. That's like a, a studio album.
0: That you would want to turn that into? A I movie? would.
1: No, I would. I'm sorry. I would want to turn "Bat Out of Hell" into a Broadway production.
0: Yeah, I mean it is very. Um, musical and yeah Broadway yeah it's, it's, it's
1: got a lot of that stuff already it, it would yeah. i think be pretty easily translatable
0: yeah you just kind of have to film it um you okay here's here's the cliche question but i think it does explain a lot about a person you can sit down to dinner with four people living or dead and all topics are on the table there's no, you know, taboo subjects to discuss. Who would you invite?
1: Hmm. On, the, the, there's different ways you can go about this. You're like, do I want to sit down with the Martin Luther King, Jesus, Abraham Lincolns of the world? Or do I want to sit down with the... What like, a snooze fest. Yeah, exactly. Like, do you're like, do I want to, like, what well, a snooze fest? I'd love... You should just get... I should get Gandhi, Jesus, and Buddha, and I should just have them all duke it out. Like that would be, a, you know, that would be a conversation. Yeah,
0: it's often. like, okay, no uh, taboo subjects. You no know, taboo subjects. Who, all let's see right. who's he, the strongest. Let's
1: see. All right, Jesus, let's see some of these fucking powers you got. Let's yeah. see who can. Let's <laughs> see what you can do. Turn Buddha into a rock. Make you know?
0: Gandhi eat this entire table of food.
1: Yeah. Make make Gandhi fat and make Buddha thin. Whoa. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's my answer. That's my answer. I want that to happen. I want all, I want Gandhi, Krishna, I want all these people to get together. I want even, let's, you know what, let's even get, um, Superman. Yeah, let's get some Saudi emperors in there, you know, some Saudi kings. Let's get them in there and just have everyone kind of, uh, Muhammad, we'll get Muhammad in there. We'll wow. get everyone together that the, that have claimed. Everyone says these people have existed, so you know. I guess I'll just believe them. And so every
0: every deity,
1: every deity. I want to get them together and I want them to duke it out. I want so them then to pr- like,
0: yeah. Thor would be there.
1: Yeah, I want. I just want this thing settled. You know, I want everyone just to get together and be like, "Look, guys," and then because some somebody's not going to show. You know, like... But is know, that
0: a might is right scenario then? Like the strongest wins and then gets to be the God of everybody?
1: Well, I think the fact that if you show up, I feel like that's good enough for that religion. Be like, see? Oh, it. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, like, if because so, some people aren't going to show up and that religion's going to be really embarrassed. Yeah.
0: Showing up is half the battle.
1: Exactly. So, yeah. And then, you know, if we could have some kind of power off, and I'd also even love to see a power off between God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, just to like kind of clarify who's really top of the totem on that trinity. But, you know, that's a...
0: I think it's God. I don't think there's any question about that.
1: I don't know. They're all one and the same, too. So, who knows? Maybe it's like a uh, Harry Potter Voldemort thing, you know? They gotta kill each other. They can't... They have to exist and die at the same time. Who knows? There's part
0: of him inside me, isn't there?
1: Yeah, yeah. They, yeah. They gotta coexist. It's one of those.
0: Interesting. Okay.
1: Like the Matrix with Neo and Agent Smith.
0: Who but all those Agent Smiths?
1: Yeah, for the Burley Brawl. and yeah, every,
0: every waiter is also Agent Smith. Exactly.
1: That's my answer. Okay.
0: I uh, I think I would just do Robin Williams because I feel like he would just oh. try to entertain me the whole time. Yeah. It'd be really funny.
1: Would you, yeah, yeah you would kind of want him just one-on-one almost one-on-one, because yeah. if there was a whole group with you, he'd be trying to entertain everybody.
0: Although maybe if he's one-on-one, you know, then you might get, you know, muted serious Robin, which would be great. But if you bring one extra person, then it becomes a crowd, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if it's like, you know, if it was you and Shell with Robin Williams, then suddenly he's on all night long and it would be super funny. But if it was just you and Robin Williams, he might, you know, get into deep conversations, which is cool too. So maybe back to back dinners, one just me and Robin, and then one you, me, and Robin, and we get and I get both Robins back to back nights.
1: And I'll bring Philip Seymour Hoffman just to like make oh, it. Oh God, up. Yeah, be,
0: he would actually be a great dinner mate.
1: Yeah, they can talk about Patch Adams.
0: Oh, well, they could talk about Patch Adams, couldn't they? Yeah. I would uh, want to meet I guess the question is who do you want to meet, right? Sort of, yeah. But then do you want to is it like don't meet your heroes? Yeah, no. I I'm going to stick with just Robin. Okay. Me and, Ro- Me and
1: Robin would hang out. All right. My my first my my third question is a very factual question should be easy for you to come up with, I think. What is your first CD purchase? Green Day's Dookie. Green Day's Dookie. I was listening to Green Day within the last week or two. I was listening to them and The Offspring. (laughs) I thought I was very strange when I was listening to The Offspring's greatest hits at work, but somehow that happened.
0: They got some hits, and they were pretty great.
1: Yeah, it was one of those, like, Green Day, I think I was clicking related artists, and it took me to them, and I started being like, man, Offspring does have a number of songs that I... Like, didn't realize how many songs of theirs I know.
0: Yeah, they got some good ones, for sure. They're a big middle school band.
1: Shell is one of their... Green Day is one of Shell's favorite bands. She can sing many, many Green Day songs.
0: I lost interest in them, you know, probably by the year 2000, for sure. But A Dookie, I think, is still great. You weren't
1: reawoken by An American Idiot in 2004? No,
0: didn't didn't. By then, I wasn't even interested, you know. But... I specifically, I vividly remember getting Dookie as a CD. I was so, so excited. I remember talking about it in school the next day that I owned it. Like, like I have this. This is my album. I, I own this. And I thought it was super
1: cool. There's a song, uh, Nimrod, their album that came out in 1997. Mm-hmm. I was in sixth grade, I think, when that came out. And they had a song called, I think, Platypus. I Hate You, I think is what it was called. And there it said fuck a number of times in the song. And that was my first CD. My mom didn't know it. The CD didn't have a parental advisory. And I was like, oh, shit, this is awesome. And oh, you got
0: away with one. Yep. One so for I, the kids.
1: Green Day's always had a special place in my heart. And also, my one of my earliest TV watching memories was being like nine or ten years old and watching Nickelodeon. And the Nick Awards were about to come on, you know, where they would give you like the orange blimp as the award. Yeah. And they were like, and the the best in this year's music. And there was two kids on a park bench, and one of them was like Green, and the other kid was like Day. And then they just <laughs> they just gave each other a high five and slapped <laughs> hands. And I remember as it being like ten years old and being like, okay, so Green Day's cool. Okay, take note. And <laughs> so understand, I've,
0: fellow kids.
1: Yeah, like that's how I that because I didn't have an older brother who was into music or that type of stuff. And so I was very much, and my mom was not into any like pop culture like that. So I was very much on my own and kind of looking to friends and TV to figure out what kind of pop culture I liked.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I mean, I'm the opposite, but I, I have one older brother who I didn't really look up to for pop culture stuff. I feel like we always had very different tastes. And then my dad wasn't into anything <laughs> yeah Like in terms of like i didn't know the type of music you listened to until i was in high school and my mom like i said is was very much into musicals so any modern stuff i kind of had to figure out on my own as well
1: my mom i grew up my mom was single my uh, you know i guess i've never talked about this on the podcast but my my biological father died when i was a baby and my mom was single for many years of my childhood and then she remarried when i was about nine ish or something and then, uh, divorced later, and then now is remarried since. But in those years that she was single. it was the early, the late '80s, early '90s, early to mid '90s. And my memories are of her playing Wilson Phillips and Mariah Carey and Celine Dion and Janet Jackson and N. Vogue, Boys to Men. Like a lot Hell yeah, of Mama, uh, Phil. <laughs> well, Love I, it. well, it was stuff that I, you know, I was a young boy without, you know, with an older brother and no one else around. And for me, I was like, I, I really enjoyed it. And I remember being a kid listening to Whitney Houston a lot and really enjoying it. And it just being stuff that was played around the house And now as an adult and I'm listening to music, I can see how that was a major influence on me. But at the time I just kind of dismissed it as that's just the music my mom likes that I hear a lot of, but I really like genuinely love that stuff now. So
0: yeah, my mom was, my mom was definitely into Whitney, Amy Grant, Wilson Phillips, stuff like that. So we did hear that stuff too and loved it then and still love it now. Those, those turn of the decade, Whitney and Mariah albums, come
1: on, man. shit's gold. No, yeah. Amy Grant, baby, baby. That's our jam. baby, baby.
0: Um, what was the first CD? What was the first CD you owned?
1: Michael Jackson Dangerous because I wanted black and white. Smart, good yeah. choice.
0: I had black and white the single on cassette as a kid. I remember that.
1: Well, one of my earlier ones. Speaking of Boys to Men, was Boys to Men Two, the one that had like "I'll Make Love to You" and all that on there. Yeah. And one of my earlier memories was it's a. If you look at the cover of the album, it's a blue and it's a giant uh, Roman numeral two. And I bought the gold one at the mall because I thought it was cooler that it was gold. The regular one has like a blue tint. So I bought the gold one and took it home and it was in Spanish. I was like, fuck. (laughs) 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 That's why it's gold. So I had to take it back and return it. But that was my earliest memories. I also, my mom ordered me one. Remember like when they used to advertise CDs on TV? You know, you call in for the collections like now, that's what I call music. Yeah, but mine. She got me one that was called Wacky Favorites, and it had stuff that was like it had songs like that, and it had like Hello Mother, Hello Father. Yeah, you know, it had all Here those. Here we are at camp camp na-na-na. Camp na-na-na. Yeah. Yeah. it had all those corny kind Grandma of songs. Grandma got run songs.
0: over. Or, Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Was
1: that on it? Uh, I don't know if it had Christmas songs on it, mm, but no, it was a different album. Uh, yeah but it was definitely full of that stuff and it's called Wacky Favorites and that was an early one for me too
0: Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer was on like Wacky Winter or
1: something yeah like it's that. probably yeah exactly let me see if I can Wacky Favorites CD I hope I see the front cover oh there's that front cover let me see it hold on let's see the track listing I found it
0: I still think someone should come out come out with a movie called boys just so they could do the sequel boys Two men
1: this person is a fool oh
0: thanks phil that i know that was funny thank you
1: why is no one listening the track listing that
0: crap okay i'm glad i'm glad we have this downtime so the listeners can quiet down from that amazing joke i just said
1: yeah uh yakety yak is track one
0: Mm, don't come back
1: yeah, short shorts, itsy bitsy teeny weeny. I lost on Jeopardy. Um, Wait, the Weird Al song. Yeah, they m- monst- just
0: randomly throw a Weird Al one. In yeah,
1: there. Spike Jump, uh, Monster Mash is on here. Surf and Bird, Hello Mudda, Hello Fada. Like yeah, it's who who put the who put the bump and the bump the bump the who put the bump? It's it's such a bunch of what a bunch of weird songs that I'm looking at. Like no wonder I had people calling me weird as a kid. Yeah, it kind of set
0: you up for failure with that. Yeah,
1: like I was listening to like bird 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 and Whitney Houston <laughs> as like a fucking ten year old. That's the shit I was bumping and the Macarena probably.
0: So you were trying to sing bird, but in as Whitney Houston.
1: Yeah, just you <laughs> know
0: just getting super yeah. into it everybody's uh phil i have a question for you
1: bring it what
0: was the first dvd you bought
1: it was dogma and bringing out the dead
0: ooh good choices
1: yeah no, wait, no, I'm sorry. Those were the first ones that I rented. Um, And my my very first memory is that I rented Dogma, and it was the, a flip, not a flip disc, but one side was widescreen and the other side was full screen. Oh, and, I still have some of those. Yeah, and I didn't understand that at the time. Like, I didn't know what each side meant, so I just, like, stuck it in the player and was like, I hope that's the right side and it played, and I it, it took me a while to figure out what each side meant, because it was still new, and we got a DVD player that had the five DVD pack, I, I, I'm i sure we've discussed this at some point, but it had The Mask, and Get Shorty, and I think The Thomas Crown Affair, and something else, it had a few movies like that in it, and the, the first one that I, the first two that I rented were Dogma, and Bringing Out the Dead the first movie I bought was Three Kings and Three, Three Kings King, was one of my
0: earliest DVDs as well.
1: And it spoiled me rotten because that DVD is packed with special features and yeah, a director's commentary. And it has yeah. all these like directors. The um, I can't believe it. David o. Russell shot his own behind the scenes footage that's assembled there. So it has tons of like really cool behind the scenes stuff. And I thought every DVD was going to have that from then on out. And that was not true at all but no that, footage
0: of George Clooney punching David O Russell unfortunately no
1: that was conveniently left off but yeah, there didn't make I, it one thing that did always strike me in the footage is it's him getting prepped for the movie and he's fine he's trying to cast the actor and it's all about him trying to get the script to George and he's on the phone and I know you kind of have to you know kind of talk yourself up but he's getting so mad because somebody turned the script down and he's like, I'm not changing the fucking script. This is a smart script. It's political. It's funny. It's and he was just like going on about how great the script was. And it always struck me at a young age that like, wow, he's really confident in this script that he wrote. And I mean, like, obviously you have to have some of that in you, but obviously stories would come out later about David O'Russell's ego yeah. too. So it yeah, goes, but c- to be c- fair, course. he wasn't wrong.
0: That's his best script ever.
1: Yeah, that is. I'm still definitely early David O. Russell. I I don't know that I care about Academy Award favorite of David O. Russell. Like, post post I Heart. I like I Heart, Huckabees, and before David O. Russell.
0: Yeah, with his peak, in my opinion, being Three Kinks.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I I agree. Yeah.
0: It's milk. Please help us now. Don't leave. Let's just stick to the plan. The plan is for the gold, right? We can help these people first, and then we'll be on our
1: way. You're going out, please. I don't think so. Warner Brothers presents George Clooney. Tell me what we did here. Mark Wahlberg. You choose who we take and you tell the others it's not convenient, they'll just have to die because I'm not gonna do it. And Ice Cube.
0: All we had to do was help him. it was less than 100 feet. My first DVD, I don't know if it was the first, I feel like I I first bought three or four together, you know? Yeah. it was a big to-do because, you know, I was already a huge movie buff. And when I got my DVD player, I remember my mom taking me to Best Buy and just let me pick out, you know, three or so. But I know one of them was Wild Things. Oh, yeah. And thank God my mom didn't monitor what I was watching. Like, she would take us to R-rated movies. She would let us rent horror movies at Blockbuster when I was 10 years old and yeah just <laughs> grabbed three movies one of them was Wild Things and my mom was like all right and just bought them and one time great. I
1: went to a birthday party in 7th grade and my friend's mom said I will rent whatever you guys ask me to rent and
0: <laughs> just we, like me
1: literally like and we like almost like giving us a signal like whatever you guys want just say now is your chance <laughs> And you can
0: circle jerk. I don't mind. I like the. Li- judge.
1: I swear to God, the list we gave her was the People versus Larry Flint, Species, <laughs> Strip It was like the the wild <laughs> thing. It, it was the ever. horniest eighth grade <laughs> list of movies you could ever imagine that we That's sent amazing. her to get for us. Um,
0: I rewatched Species earlier this year because Scream Factory came out with a deluxe Blu-ray and I bought it.
1: I swear to God, she brought home Species Two, not Species One.
0: It's oh, a disappointment.
1: No, it wasn't for us. There's a lot of Natasha the species too.
0: She is gorgeous in those movies, and I gotta say, the first Species is still a pretty good movie. It moves fast. It's fun. It has good effects. It's a good uh, little '90s sci-fi horror.
1: Better than fucking Splice.
0: Yes, Splice is a movie on a much smaller scale that a lot of people like that I do not enjoy.
1: Yeah, I, I thought it was fine. I don't. I don't. I don't care about Splice. Do not enjoy it.
0: Uh, what's next, Phil?
1: You are the best Bond, but number four, who is the best Bond? <sighs> it's got to be Sean Connery. Does it have to be, or is it Dan? Is it Daniel Craig? Uh,
0: Daniel Craig's too ugly to be the best.
1: Is it not? Uh, well, Pierce Brosnan's a great Bond, just didn't have the best movies.
0: Yeah, it's got to be. I mean, Connery is what all Bonds will be defined as, and. They got think, it right the first time with Connery. I mean, not that others haven't been good. I like all the Bonds to varying degrees. I'm a huge James Bond fan. I would say... <sighs> my favorite Bond movie stars
1: Daniel Craig. Exactly. This is my point, is I think multiple of your favorites will have Daniel Craig, but multiple you'll... Multiple my
0: favorites have Connery, though.
1: Sure. I'm just asking. I'm just yeah. playing... I'm just I think it's got it's
0: it's still got to be Connery. until someone is so iconic and just just universally nails every aspect of the character not even necessarily the movie movies because if you make 4 Bond movies one of them's probably going to stink or not be that great you know that's just inevitable with the turnover in that franchise but until someone is just so iconic in that role I think well, I would my, my answer will be Connery.
1: I would argue that there's no one who's going to be more iconic than Connery since he basically created the role and originated all those things that you're talking about perfecting. So I, but I also would say like someone like Craig might not be as pretty or necessarily as suave as a Connery, but Connery maybe lacks in the action department where someone like Craig brings brutality and an actual killer physique to his to the to the role that someone like Connery can't bring. So it does. he is bringing new dimensions that I think redefine the character for ongoing. Whoever's going to be cast, I think, is going to be, from this point, more in the shadow of Craig than in the shadow of Connery, at least for modern True, audiences. but...
0: Right, but the 60s Bond movies were never trying to be brutal.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, there are... Each Bond movie... The, the cool thing about Bond as a series is that they're, it's a reflection of the time that they were made as much as anything else. So you can look at 80s Bond's and it's kind of telling you something about '80s filmmaking, and you can look at Spectre, and that's going to tell us something about where franchise filming film, filmmaking was at around the you know late two thousand late two thousand tens or whatever we're calling this decade.
0: Although I think we know the the true answer to that question. Yeah, Timothy Dalton. Tom Cruise is Ethan Hunt. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the best Bond.
1: The American James Bond. Yeah, it's just that's the best. Who's who do you want to be the next Bond? Do you want Henry Cavill? Do you want Idris Elba? Dude,
0: I gotta say, we're gonna do an, an a Mission Impossible episode soon, so we won't get into it. But Henry Cavill is not a good actor.
1: No, I was about. To say, I thought you were about to just shower praise, and I was like, hey, I I, I don't mind Henry Cavill, but I thought I thought you were about to like shower praise. on I, I, like, he's, I he's, mind him. I, I was gonna say he's 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 not that he's not a very good actor. <laughs> he's not good. Um. Tom Cruise is great. Tom Cruise should be the next Bond.
0: I've always yeah. been down with the idea of Idris Elba as Bond. I think he would make a fantastic James Bond.
1: He's but isn't he getting? He's even he's, he's getting, a little getting too old. old. Yeah, yeah, he's getting
0: too old now. Unfortunately, I don't know. I've never been good about this hypothetical casting stuff. It's just what about nice. what if
1: they? You think Tom Hardy? You think you want that? I don't want that.
0: Tom Hardy did just cross my mind, but I think that's too similar to Daniel Craig. You know, that's the Bruiser I agree. James Bond. I think they need to try a slightly different route, at least with the character. I-, I wouldn't mind them going back to a little more of a charming James Bond, you know?
1: I know ch- this might sound. What I would like is almost for them to figure out Bruce Wayne. Like, I would love for whoever the cast is the next Batman to be a really good Bruce Wayne, too. And for the next Batman film to at least not to like not have Batman scenes, but to at least make the Bruce Wayne stuff him him to be an active person like helping solve the Batman cases like but in a different way as Bruce Wayne you know and make that stuff engaging too and have somebody who's good at playing the suave part of being a billionaire like Bruce Wayne but then be able to switch to the brutality because I yeah. feel like you get one or the other you get your I don't you get your someone who's a uh, Michael Keaton who's playing it like a really great Batman but who's playing Bruce Wayne like a barely functioning human being you know so you know, like,
0: you know who they should cast who?
1: Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, Tom Cruise himself seems to be like a barely functioning human being at this point. She, he's like a cyborg. But yeah, that's true. You know what I wouldn't mind to see, and
0: this is going to piss off the men's rights activists. What? What about a female James Bond?
1: I don't. I'm not against it. Like it doesn't offend me. Like the way like you know like the, a female Ghostbusters doesn't offend me. If they did it and they called her Jamie Bond or whatever, it's like sure, that's whatever. But. I don't know. Like, if they want to do that, that's fine. Why not? Fine, Can but... you
0: see like Claire Foy? I've I Gen- not watched. Gen- I've not watched Bond. The
1: Crown, so I, I'm not very familiar with Claire Foy at this point. But I just think it's a different thing. Like, I don't. I, I'd be fine with that, but I wouldn't want them to only do that. I'd still like to have if it didn't Alicia work. Alicia
0: Vikander I... as Gigi Bond.
1: Sure. I don't know. I guess it's just for me. It's a different thing, and it's like if you don't want to. Like create an awesome, create your own awesome female character. I I, I don't want th- to see a bond. I don't know that. Th- I th- I feel like you're asking for f- not failure, but if you're casting anyone, let's I don't know who Charlize Theron, whoever you get to be in your female driven action bond, I think if you have them turning and pointing the gun and saying shaken not stirred. It's, I feel like you're going to get, a, depending on who you get to make it, that's always going to be the most important thing. Cause if you get Gary Ross, you're going to get. I don't care that,
0: what right? you're trying to say here. I'm just. It sounds I, like you're saying you're inherently kind of against it.
1: I'm saying that I don't think from a. If I'm an executive at a studio, for me, I would rather create it or I would rather start fresh from a different franchise than trying to change an old franchise. Like, I'm not saying that you can't. Like do it. I it wouldn't offend me if it happened, but I, if it were me, I would say like, let's go create a new awesome female spy series. I don't necessarily know that I want to go changing the James Bond series. All but much.
0: why would you do that if you have the rights to James Bond and we're like, oh, we have this built-in property, we can I'm, start fresh and be guaranteed to make a shitload of money.
1: I'm saying I don't think you're guaranteed to make a shitload of money. I think you run into like an Ocean's Eight situation or a Ghostbusters situation where there will definitely be a curious audience, but I think you're changing the brand to a point where it confuses mass audiences and they don't know what to make of it. And it's not that it's bad or good. I'm not I'm not saying it would be a bad movie at all or anything. I'm just Confusing saying I Confusing mass
0: audiences, like they'd go to the theater and be like, what is...
1: Where's James Bond's penis? Well, they would be like... It's like the Ocean's 8 thing. It's like, oh, she's Danny Ocean's sister. Oh, okay. And I mean, I know that doesn't matter. And like the whole point would be like, these are silly blockbuster movies. It doesn't matter. It's not supposed to be Hemingway. But...
0: But there's also no continuity in the Bond movies where they have to say, like, oh, Daniel Craig is Pierce Brosnan's nephew. He's just also James Bond. So why couldn't she just also be?
1: I'm not saying you can't do it. I'm saying it can happen. I'm saying I I, I
0: think they I think they way overestimated the appeal of another Oceans movie. And Oceans 8 did well. Didn't it open to like fifty million?
1: I mean, I, I think it did all right. I, it wasn't like a huge hit. I think it did all right. But I, any of these, like, I guess, I, I feel like the, go- the reason the Ghostbusters movie was a failure was because that movie's not good. And the reason, you know, like... Same it also thing. had like,
0: an insane amount of misogynistic backlash. Like but wouldn't, wouldn't you episode.
1: have the same thing happen with James Bond? That's all I'm saying. Not that it's... a Yeah,
0: yeah. No, you would offend men's rights activists. Exactly.
1: And, the, well, and men are your primary audience for a James Bond movie. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, I feel like you I would rather win a whole new audience of women to bring them in on some franchise and win over men than try and convince some, ma- some macho-driven group that's been around since the 60s that they need to change their concept of who this character is. Like... If they if they want to do this, fine. If they want to cast a black Spider Man, go for it. Like I don't care. They can do any of this. Like I really don't care. But I I think I think you can. I think casting a black Spider Man is different than casting a a Spider Girl. Like you know, or I don't know. Like I I just feel like I would love for these movies to be hits. But like I I feel like there's a lot of like stuff getting in the way with these like with mostly men. Mostly men are the problem here in terms of like. Oh, I don't want to go see that, but I still I hope with like the Wonder Woman's and everything else breaking out that people will kind of get over that. Cause, but because I hope that there's a cool Supergirl movie someday or a cool um, no Girl movie. That. So Ocean's
0: like that. Eight had a budget of seventy million and it made two eighty worldwide.
1: Yeah, that's, that's good. 8. That's good. Yeah.
0: So I don't see why. I don't know. That's it my didn't. choice. Alicia Vikander is the best Bond.
1: Okay, but yeah, sure, I mean... uh, What do you say? Who who should be the next Bond?
0: No, who's your favorite
1: Bond? Oh, my favorite Bond? Um... I want to say that I, I Pierce Brosnan is probably my favorite, actually. Like, uh, who I actually think does balance everything pretty well. I just wish he would have gotten separate better from the movies. movies. Separate yeah. from the movies, I feel like he might be. I think the embodiment of what the perfect characterization is in terms of balancing the suave, fun, winking charm of the character, and also like he's not like Roger Like Roger Moore looks really silly in the action scenes because he's like, especially when he's running because he's so tall and has those long spider legs. So he, you can never really take him that seriously in some and of the actors. And he actresses. played
0: James Bond until he was like 75 years old.
1: Yeah, yeah. So some of that doesn't uh, gel very well. So I really, and I, plus Goldeneye came out when I was at a formative age. That was the big Bond movie of our childhood and the big game of our childhood. So I, I think that's what first introduced me to Bond. I know that Sean Connery is the star of most of my favorite Bond movies. And I obviously understand that he defined the character. But I guess you know just to be a contrary, and I'm going to say Pierce Brosnan.
0: Okay, I have a question for you. Sure. What's a horror movie that you love
1: that would surprise me? The uh, The Ritual. Um. What's a horror movie that I love that you that would surprise you? Yeah, like oh, I
0: wouldn't expect Phil to like that movie.
1: I mean, I like, suppose my. my warmth for the Halloween series as a whole, I guess you might, because it's not a very good series, but yeah,
0: that would surprise me. Pleasantly surprise me.
1: Uh, like, cause uh, not, uh, I've told you many times before If there's any franchise that I could do. I would remake Friday the 13th. Cause I feel like I have a, I, I have a fun take that I would actually like enjoy doing with Friday the 13th. And cause I feel like that's a right. series that hasn't reached its potential. I, I don't know all of these series. I feel like it's a weird thing. I, I wouldn't, I enjoy all of the major ones and to some degree, like the Friday, the 13th, the nightmare on Elm streets. And I look at the remakes and I just get so frustrated because I kind of feel like guys, this is an easy thing. It shouldn't be that hard to get this right. And I know that sounds like arrogant, but I feel like you're just like, people are looking at what I think are obviously the coolest elements of these movies and just completely abandoning those, you know? And I don't know.
0: I don't think Nightmare on Elm Street would necessarily be super easy to do right, um, but Friday the Thirteenth is definitely not only is it ripe for another entry or a remake, whatever you want to do with it, but there's no real sacred ground there that you'd be treading on. Like you yeah. can just, like yeah, it's fucking Friday the Thirteenth. Do whatever the hell you want with it. You know.
1: Yeah. So I as opposed
0: I, to Halloween and Elm Street, which have two bonafide classics at the front.
1: Exactly, and
0: that's cool. I didn't, I didn't know you were genuinely a fan of all the like those franchises. You know, I knew you liked Elm Street. I knew you liked Halloween. I, I didn't know you would consider yourself a fan of Halloween Four.
1: Certainly, yeah, certainly of any of the major movie bad guys. The series that I'm going to be the quickest to want to sit down and go through them all again would be Halloween. Cool. Yeah, that's a good answer. Puzzle all right. My question is horror related as well. Ooh. I want, I want you to rank these authors slash well writers slash authors whatever you want to call them they're all they're all writers. Rank them: King, Barker, Lovecraft, Sterling, Gaiman, and Poe.
0: Well, I assume you mean Sterling.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, sorry, not Sterling. Okay. Yeah, that's my um, that's my autocorrect from typing Roger Sterling so many times.
0: <laughs> Mad Men. So it's King. Serling, Lovecraft, Barker, Poe, and Neil Gaiman, right? Correct. Okay. Um, Number six, you know, I got to do me in reverse order, baby. Do it. Number six, I'm going to go Barker, even though, first off, those are six great writers, in my opinion, so this isn't shade on anybody. Barker, I would put six just because he has probably the mix of the least amount of, output um, and his strength is really in short stories even though he's attempted a lot of novels okay number five I would go with Poe okay Um, I mean he's hugely influential he's got a lot of great stories he's not necessarily the most fun to read in my opinion
1: I agree I can see that. I have a big book that I treasure that's the complete Poe, but I yeah. it's nice to have on the shelf, but I don't exactly pull it down all the time, you know.
0: Number four, uh, for similar reasons, but I think he's uh, more of an entertaining writer overall, would be Lovecraft. Um, he would maybe be higher, but he was also like a racist prick, so whatever. Uh, but he does have some really good stories, especially some good short stories. and he created you know an entire mythology, um, which is awesome. Yeah. Uh, This is where it gets tough. Three, two, and one. Uh, Number three... Fuck. I guess I gotta go Neil Gaiman. Ugh, that sucks.
1: Really? I thought he was gonna be like your number six, to be honest.
0: No, I love... He wrote, in my opinion, the greatest graphic novel ever made, Sandman. The reason why I would put him above King is King's output is just insane. You can go three years and never run out of king stories to read right yeah it's just an incredible thing so number two would be stephen king and serling is just he's my guy i know i know he's not the best i mean he's the only one who wasn't really a novelist or a short story writer even you Correct. know with some exceptions but his main output is television scripts
1: some of the his, best sci-fi horror scripts ever, or stories ever written, and I like his
0: output over you know a much shorter time frame. But what he was able to do, and the fact that it's the field that I'm most interested in, and what I aspire to be—the combination of quality of his writing, the types of stories he told, um, their personal effect on me, especially at a younger age, um, how frequently I revisit *The Twilight Zone* for comfort, for inspiration. And the yeah the sheer volume of input that he was able to do over a few years stretch like the first three seasons of the Twilight Zone, which are the three best seasons, he wrote eighty percent of those scripts himself. Yeah, and that's on a tight schedule, working week to week. It's just an, in my opinion, an incredible accomplishment. So
1: yeah, he's gotten a groove. Yeah,
0: very personal choices there but i gotta put rod sterling all right one. all right i have a tattoo of his show on my arm all
1: right what's next
0: uh i would like to hear you rank them
1: i don't i i'm not as familiar as you are with enough of their work to rank them properly fair enough also uh, we're an hour and 45 minutes in we got to get moving
0: oh shit really yeah uh, i would also put shirley jackson up
1: on that list she should fair, be up there very nice my, I, was um, originally, I was originally going to ask you like Hemingway, Faulkner, like those authors and stuff. And I was like, that's boring. He doesn't give a fuck. I'd rather ask him something he cares about. I mean, I
0: love me, Hemingway and Faulkner. But sure, yeah, sure, sure. I'd but... much rather talk about Richard Matheson and shit. Yeah. Um, I don't really have any more. All right.
1: I've got, all right, I've got one for you. I've got, okay. I've got a few more questions. I'll throw them out there. We might not get to 20 questions, but yeah, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. We, we, we answered more than 20 questions throughout this whole thing. True. My number six question. What is your entrance music? So you've, like, you're have like you going up to bat. You've got a 10, 15 second clip of music that's going to play to introduce you every single time. Or let's say we're doing a live broadcast. Our dreams come true. This podcast explodes and we're doing a live broadcast on stage and they're like, all right everybody, Tom Bond and you come out. What song comes on? Rosalita. Rosalita? Really? Yeah. What, do you know what part? Is it the beginning? Is it uh, what? Because you only have like 15 seconds. Remember, it's not the whole song. So you can only you only get a little chunk
0: i ain't here on business baby i'm only here for fun and rosie you're the
1: one yeah yeah i would see i just started the whole song in my head it's my favorite song of all time you know
0: What's yours? What's yours? What's yours?
1: Trick Daddy. Take it to the house. (laughs)
0: Uh, mine is uh, Baby I'm a Thug. Yeah. Baby, cause I'm a thug yeah. all day, every day. Uh, well, that would be my song.
1: Oh, well, yeah. Trick Daddy uses Casey and the Sunshine Band. You know, they have has the horns for that. Mm-hmm. But it's got the nice little hip-hop groove. And I just think the first, like, 30 seconds of that song is so great. And if I came out to that, I feel like I would always just... It would always give me the energy boost I needed.
0: Uh, I have a question. Sure. Have you ever taken hallucinogenic drugs, LSD, mushrooms, anything like that.
1: Yeah, I've done yeah, I've done all of the above. And acid, LSD, mushrooms, yeah, Molly. Yeah, yeah, I've done Molly's not really a hallucinogen, but do you
0: have a preference? What what's your favorite? Like what can you briefly describe your greatest trip ever?
1: Uh the most intense trip I ever did was DMT. um oh, boy. Yeah, uh that was um, this, all right, so th- for those of you who don't know, DMT is, I think, well, I've heard different things since, but at the time, this would have been, I don't know, like eight years ago, maybe, who knows, like 23, 24 years old, probably somewhere around there, and I had a friend who I was taking him home, we were out drinking one night, and I was taking him home, and it was super late at night, and he was like, so do you want to come in and do DMT? And I was like, "What? The, what is DMT? I had no idea. And he said, it's the most powerful hallucinogen known to man. And I was like, well, okay, hold on just a second. Like, you're just, you can't just spring that on me here at like 3 a.m. Like, what's, what, how do you take it? And he's like, well, I've got this Tabasco, this glass Tabasco bottle. And you kind of smoke it like crack. You know, you get a straw in the bottle and then you light, you get a crack lighter and light it. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is making me uncomfortable. <coughs> a crack like, lighter? Yeah, yeah. I was like, this is. You mean a lighter? Yeah. Well, yeah. He's like, he's like you need a powerful one because, you know, you want it to heat up and really, really quick. And I was like, okay, well, this is freaking me out. No, thanks, buddy. I went home, woke up googled all the information and i called him i was like okay now that i've done some research can i come over and do some dnt with you you know (laughs) (laughs) and he said sure and so i came over and uh we sat in a circle in his living room me and him or we had a circle of pillows around us and i was like what are the pillows for and he's like you'll see and yeah so he's like all right well i'm gonna do this first so you can kind of see what happens to me and just so you're like ready for it And i was like okay so we light the thing and he takes a couple hits off of that thing and he just falls backwards and he's out for like a good 15 or 20 minutes. And it's like a really, I can see that he's like very intensely tripping. And then it was my turn and I took three deep inhales from this straw. You have to take it really quickly. And I, my memory is that before I was done blowing out the second one and I was doing this really quick. So within like 10 seconds, I went from completely sober to already being like, oh my fucking God, my brain's exploding. And like before I could even, and I knew that there was like still a third hit that I had to kind of rush through. So once that was done, I like he did, he, you just instantly fall backwards. Your body just kind of shuts down because you get so high. And so I fell backwards and my memory of it is that I was inside, like imagine the shell, like I was inside my own body, like looking at my own, the shell of my body, like it was a tomb, you know, like what they put mummies in, you know, like that, that look like them. It was almost like I was inside a shell of my own body. And then I started to shrink inside of that shell and the shell stayed the same size. So I was getting smaller inside of my own body. And I could see that the interior of the shell of my body was made of stained glass. So it was like, I was shrinking inside of myself, surrounded by stained glass windows. It's been a while. That was, that's my first like intense memory of doing the DMT. And after that, there was a lot of stuff about my dad, um, that I saw and there was like weird things like, yeah, it was, that, that was by far the most intense trip, but I don't know that it was necessarily my favorite, but that was the most intense trip. Um, otherwise um, I have a friend, uh, yeah.
0: I've never taken it. A buddy of mine took DMT and described it very similarly. He described it as feeling like he was being buried alive.
1: Yeah, it's like you just fall into your own body or something like that. I don't know yeah. how it's, it's very strange, um, but it's very intense. That's the most intense hallucinogen I've ever done. Interesting. All right. Good story. So, I've,
0: I've never heard that.
1: Yeah, I, I've, I'm sure I've told it to you at some point, but maybe, yeah. maybe you just don't remember anything. All right, that's true. Who was your biggest or who was your biggest slash first childhood crush?
0: The um, redhead girl from. The Wizard. Um, Rilo um, Kiley. Is that who that is? Yeah. Jenny. Because um, I have a good story Jenny Lewis. about this. Too. Jenny Lewis. Jenny Lewis. Thank you. Yes. Jenny Lewis, specifically from the movie The Wizard. That's all I knew her from as a kid. And I had a huge crush on her. And then I mentioned before that I worked in New York for Albert Mazel's, And one day, Jenny Lewis walks in the door. Wow. And I'm like, holy shit. And she goes to meet with Al. I think they're, you know, they're making plans to maybe work on a music project. And she's just over at his desk talking to him I'm like, holy shit, that's my childhood crush. Yeah. And sh- she walks out towards the front door and she stops at my desk and says, hey, um, Tom, is there a good place to eat around here? I want to get this specific type of food. I was like, oh, let me. um. I'm sure I can find something for you. So I start looking it up on my computer and we just start chatting and she stands at my desk for nearly 30 minutes. We just kind of shooting the shit. I'm like flirting, but good natured, you know, innocently flirting. Yeah. Being, being charming (laughs) and all that stuff, making her laugh and everything. And it's, I'm just so happy. I'm over the moon. And she finally, she's like, Oh, okay, I got to go. I'm going to be late for this thing, but good talking to you. I'll see you later. Bye. And, uh, as soon as she leaves two of the women in the office there were only like five people there these two women start kind of like teasing me like oh my god you guys were flirting and in my head i'm like yeah it was i was just flirting with my childhood crush and it was the coolest it it made me so
1: happy well my memory is the other opposite when you were a creep when we saw sarah michelle geller on Mm, the, on the sidewalk and you're like we have to follow her
0: I just wanted to know where she was going, <laughs> and like, where does Sarah Michelle Gellar go? And she went she into was, some. She was buying like, jewelry on the store, sidewalk. I think, yeah, she store. was like, she yeah. was
1: like window shopping. I think is what she was doing. I mean, she
0: was, she was not my first crush, but middle school era Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my God, I was obsessed with her.
1: Yeah, and she's three feet tall. She is
0: very very tiny. Yeah, we were. That was in film school, so we were twenty one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just we just saw her near our school, just street shopping. And yeah, just like watched her for a block until she went into some store. And I'm like, okay, guys, sorry. I'm being weird. But I was just mesmerized.
1: I have a serious question. Yeah. You're on death row. Mm -hmm. What's your final meal? I was talking about this this weekend.
0: Definitely probably like three In-N-Out double doubles animal style.
1: You're big. I mean, I have always, I have enjoyed In-N-Out every time I've had. This is my
0: meal. Shut up.
1: Okay. Uh,
0: three animal style fries, a pint of, mm, what kind of ice cream? Yeah, you gotta get that ice cream. It would change, but right now it's a Heath Bar Crunch.
1: We have these Heath Bar cookies at the diner that are fucking amazing. Yeah, the best.
0: But then I would want something else to, I mean, I want a, oh, a huge bowl of Rainier cherries.
1: Yeah, like you a like your cherries. huge bowl,
0: like 200 of them. <laughs> in and out cherries, got my ice cream.
1: You're trying to like seven yourself. Yeah. Before they get to you, you're going to burst your belly. Yeah.
0: Slice of banana cream pie with a glass of milk.
1: Oh, that's, dude, this is, yeah, this is, i would to say, this is thick.
0: I mean, I want to get into a food coma to the point where I'm like, well, I want to get to a point where I'm like, yeah, just kill me just do it. <laughs> i'm so uncomfortable right fuck now. It.
1: they're like no dude it's not till tomorrow yeah. you still have to i digest all this and you're just like fuck uh, yeah
0: that would be my meal
1: your last day on earth is just with painful diarrhea can
0: you can they give you drugs is that allowed i know they like yeah just give be like cigarettes. come on man
1: let me smoke a shit ton of pot before i enjoy the yeah, give
0: me a bunch of, no pot would make me so apparent i'd be freaking out that i was about to
1: die but you'd be right
0: give me like all that food and then a bunch of opiates and then just let me nod off and I'll be like sleeping as you uh, flip the switch.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're that nice about it. No, probably not. What about you? Something similar. I love, I mean, I- steak is what I sometimes think of as my favorite food. Like that's like what I think of as like my, if a nice, if I have a nice steak, I'm really happy, but mm-hmm. it would probably be some like, it sounds, it sounds like the Ron Swanson meal of like a steak and a bourbon. But, like, yeah, I would like a steak and a bourbon and uh, some ice cream. I love ice cream. Some peanut butter, like, chocolate brownie fudge thing covered in probably some candy. I'd some some pizza on the side, because why not? And, yeah, I'd have, like, I'd want every kind of potato. I'd want a baked potato, <laughs> mashed potato, french fries, potato chips. You are an eating potatoes, guy? Yeah, 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 I am. You know, Midwest. And the, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, yeah, I'd get really drunk, full of meat and dairy. And that <laughs> Sh- take shell's going to
0: massive diarrhea. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Know. And Shell, Shell's listening to this at some point in the near future, just vomiting. So. <laughs> Hi, Shell. Hi. Um, yeah. That's my, yeah. Some, somewhere along those lines is my meal. Imagine Steaks. a
0: meal where you have a side of pizza.
1: Yeah. That's my side. <laughs>
0: that's a side dish. I would want to, I would maybe do something really difficult, you know, just to be a dick. Like I want a hundred different people in the cafeteria to make fresh cookies, but I don't want the cookies. I just want the spoons with the leftover raw cookie dough. Mm. So I want you to collect like a hundred of those big, you know, rubber spatula spoons and just put them on a plate for me to lick off. <laughs> so it's, like, very complicated for them to do, and it takes me a lot of time to eat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would, like, I would request, like, chocolate chip cookies or some kind of cookies that are... I would say, I, I want the cookies 12 minutes after they've been out, or 8 minutes after they've been taken out of the oven. Hmm. Yeah, you know that's like, the best time. Yeah, like, not not, like so hot but they haven't cooled down yet either it's still the chocolates all still melty yeah i, I, I get picky like that
0: and if they're assholes you can just be like really passive aggressive and difficult like well you know that's just how i like my cookies and i'm never gonna have a cookie again so kind of want to have it like the best way possible but if you guys don't think you can do it then so, i mean you know
1: i'm just right. some fucking guy on death row all right, I'm going to ask you one more question because we're heading into the two-hour mark already. We got yeah, to, head to it. we got to get out of here. It's we're going on. All right, what job would you take that is not film related? What would you, what if you nothing works out in this field? You can't do it. You're you're sick of it. You you hate movies. You're done with this industry. They burned you too many times. Where do you go?
0: What do I do for a living, or where do I live?
1: Yeah, like, well, yeah. What do you What do you do for a living? Like, where do you just like? And I don't. And, and don't be like I would teach film. It can't be anything film related. Get it? You're going away from the arts.
0: I would probably work in mental health in some capacity.
1: You were gonna try and be a psychologist there for a little while. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much I tried, but. I took some classes. Yeah, you took some classes. I remember you taking some classes for a little while. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice. I didn't see that one coming. But then yeah. you uh, got some film work, I think, and that kind of like rejuvenated <clears> your spirits. That is correct.
0: Um, yeah, I, I'm in, I like psychology a lot. I like abnormal psychology. I like uh, learning about mental health issues, probably because I have some of my own with <clears throat> depression and anxiety and stuff like that. So... I'm very fascinated by how the brain works and how it can kind of turn on you. And I would probably do something like that, maybe as a psychologist or maybe work with at-risk kids, people coming out of prison, or I don't know. Something like that. Some type of abnormal psychology, mental health area. Yeah. And I would probably, I would definitely leave L.A. because it's too hot. And depending on the type of job I got, I would maybe consider moving to a uh, like a small type of town, one that has a, a winter and you know is kind of quiet and peaceful, somewhere I could live in the woods or in the mountains. That would be mm. nice.
1: That is not where I will be, but I like will come. Maybe
0: visit. maybe go be a psychologist in Montana or something. Oh God,
1: I'll vi- I'll I'll visit you sparingly.
0: Oh, you would love it
1: yeah probably but to visit not 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 to live um you know know, i would probably do politics or journalism something like that
0: yeah i was a journalism major when i first started college um when i wasn't sure if you know i wanted to do film while i was in high school and then at the last minute i kind of panicked and thought like oh that's not a real career and i started as a journalist. so you want to
1: be a film writer (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, I went to study journalism. I'm like, okay. This oh, is actually oh, you're, a, I thought
1: you were saying journalism wasn't a real career.
0: No, I, I always wanted. To, I, I, always wanted to write screenplays since I was twelve. Yeah. And then right before I graduated high school, I realized like, oh no, that's not real. That's not something people can really do. So I went to school for journalism and uh, did not like it.
1: Yeah. I agree I I also like it's one of those things that maybe I enjoy from afar but if I actually was doing it for a year I'd be like this is really not my thing
0: yeah just I don't know some of the some of the ethics of you know the guidelines about like how to work in the field what to focus on what's important it started to feel a little callous you know that could have just been the school I was at maybe it was the way certain professors taught it or phrased it Um, obviously there are a lot of noble journalists out there I'm not trying to denigrate the whole profession, but it just wasn't for me.
1: All right. All right. Well, I'm going to call it a wrap on the episode for this week. We're hitting the two hour mark. Let's, uh, you have any wrap, you have any recommendations, rants, wrap ups, what, anything you got that you want to throw out there this week?
0: Yeah. Uh, Teen Titans go to the movies. It was
1: fun. Yeah. The trailer looks fun. I I've not watched the show, but it does look like a, it looked like a fun trailer when I saw it.
0: But it, it reminded me of something like Looney Tunes back in action. You know, yeah. It's fun. It's self aware. You don't need to know everything about the, the world beforehand. You know, it's a it is a kids movie, but it has some, it 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 has some smart writing, good humor. It's a good time. I'm not so, telling my fellow thirty somethings to go to the theater alone to see it like I did because I'm fucking weird. But uh, when you get a chance, you know, you'll have a good time with it. Cool.
1: I'm going to throw out. A number of music recommendations because I haven't, I I feel like I haven't thrown out any in a few weeks. So I thought I'd just throw out a number of tracks. I won't say too much about them, but one is Blood Orange, who I know you're familiar with. You saw him in concert, I think, not too uh, a year or two ago. Uh, He just released a song called Charcoal Baby, which I think, which I've only heard a few times, but I very, very much like it so far. And I would definitely recommend it. It's got a nice groove. Another band that I've kind of gone in and out of with my interest, uh, and I don't think they're really to your taste. I think this is part of an indie band thing that's... I don't know that you've ever really been into this type of music, but Death Cab for Cutie is releasing new music. They have an upcoming album, and they've been releasing singles. And I've not really... I used to be a major, major fan of them, but I kind of tuned out. But these last few songs they've released have really grabbed me in a way that has surprised me, and they are a band... I think it's hard... To remember how long it is for bands to be around, like they've been making music since the early 2000s, and when you consider that, that's almost 15 to 20 years worth of music. That's a it's a really admirable thing, I think, for a band to stick around and still be releasing songs that are catchy. And it's nice to be reminded that they can still do that. And I so it's been nice to be spending time with a band I used to love. Other one I was gonna throw out there is the 1975. Love it if we made it. They're a 80s influenced band right now. I don't know that they were always that heavily 80s influenced, but the last two albums have been very, very synthy and 80s and hardcore leaning into that. But it's a very fun, energetic kind of rock 80s synthie driven track. I, I recommend it. I like it. And last but not least, is Chance the Rapper. I like his new. He, he released four songs. I might need security. Is probably the one I like the most. Uh, there's a lot of fucks on it, so be careful if you're listening to it around kids. The whole beat is, I think, driven around the word fuck you. But it's a good song. Have you heard it? Have you listened to the I Chance have, songs? Yeah, yeah, yeah I listened to yeah. them. I think they're fun. I don't. Walla Cam is my least favorite of the four that he's released so far. But otherwise, the other three, I am a pretty big fan of. Thank you. I don't
0: get no paper, I got a sign at the bottom Still in my bag like the fries at the bottom And I can't do nothing right, they gon' always be at me I miss a crane's interview, they try leaking my addy I donate to the schools next, they call me a deadbeat daddy The sunshine's getting that rounder business the only thing that really annoys me about that is that he released them all individually, so you can't just play them together on Spotify. It's like, why are these separate? Just put them, put them, just group them together,
1: you know? See, this is why I have my playlist. I do, I don't know how everybody else listens to music, but I just make, every month I make a playlist that's just the date, and I have about whatever 40 or 50 songs I'm listening to that month. So, like, I have 7, three, 18, and that has 56 songs in it right now. And that's just the the I have the four chant songs in a row. Plus, so are you
0: gonna make a new playlist on eight three eighteen?
1: No, it, it, like the last one was coincidentally six three eighteen. The one before that was five one, and then it was three twenty one, two ten, one one. I do one every month or so, and there's usually like fifty ish songs, and it's like a I can go back to like two thousand twelve. I've been doing this since two thousand twelve, so I can literally like that's fun. Yeah, I so I know everything I've been listening to for the most part for the last six years that's it's pretty, it's been yeah that's why i can't part with spotify it'd be really hard for me if spotify shut down i would be like man that had a lot of memory saved on it for my account
0: yeah spotify is fantastic
1: yeah so oh, those uh, are my, one yeah. other thing
0: i want to recommend sure I right, phil i will say um add those songs that you recommended to the how's that day playlist which is on I, spotify i will and uh so today when i went to the theater this was my first time as an amc a-list member
1: oh and yeah we didn't get to talk about the death of uh the death of MoviePass. movie pass we talk about it we'll talk about it next, we'll time, about it mo- next week yeah yeah
0: movie pass is dying it's almost dead it's in its death knell um so i finally joined amc a-list which is similar to movie pass uh, obviously it's only for amc theaters but it's twenty dollars a month And you can see up to three movies a week. It includes IMAX. It includes 3D. You can watch the same movie multiple times if you're like a huge, you know, Marvel fan and you want to go see Avengers twenty times. You can do that. And I'm super glad I signed up for it as someone who goes to the theater, you know, once a week, pretty much forever, if not more. Yeah. Um, It's a great deal. You know, I think. This Teen Titans ticket was sixteen dollars. You know, at the Recliner Theater, I went to go to, which I would not have paid for. But now I'm uh, four dollars away from making it a worthwhile investment. I would, if you're a movie fan like Phil and I, and you're going to miss Movie Pass because it's dead, um, check out AMC, especially if you live in a city where there are a bunch of options. You know, yeah that's my only hesitation is area. we
1: have one amc and it has it's a good one it has the imax and it has or the 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 limax as some people call it right um but it's got that it's got really good new seats it's a good theater but it's only got like nine screens and it only plays the most major releases that's and that's it yeah. so so that's
0: smaller smaller areas maybe it's not worthwhile but yeah. um, you know, if you're in LA like me, or New York, Chicago, big place, Boston, like that, it's worth it. I will be using it again soon to watch Mission Impossible: Fallout in one of those very fake IMAXs you just referenced. So yeah, like
1: throughout my movie-going weeks, I will literally visit. There's two different independent ones that I can choose from. There's a Regal, an AMC, and a, like a Cinemark. So yeah. I, they're all kind of. It's all. It's hard for me to settle on just only one of them because i i genuinely frequent multiple ones so
0: well if you go to that amc you know more than a dozen times a year yeah definitely if i got that
1: i would definitely start making it like i i go to one that's close the regal is closer to me but i would start going to the amc more for the bigger releases obviously
0: uh i'm so far i wanted to recommend it because i am pleased with the service so that's good to hear because i'm
1: definitely you know going to be looking especially because i figured i'd keep movie pass for another however long until that thing shuts down but it's not going to be long until i'm searching for a new option
0: yeah exactly
1: all right well that is the show for this week please make sure you subscribe rate and review the show on itunes we're also on yeah. youtube yeah yeah uh every one of those helps us out it's uh, yeah. great to hear from you we'd love to hear any feedback on how's that day at uh, how's that day pod at com. you can send us there send us feedback on our facebook page um you can I already read that. Never mind. Thank you, Zach Pitts, for the theme music. And uh, yeah, that's the show. Please follow us on Twitter. Yeah, you don't want us to follow you on Twitter anymore. Follow Tom on Instagram at bindy, Tom bindy. That's all one word. And you can find me at p. Wiedenhaft. Look for us there. You'll see some pretty pictures. You'll see our lives. We're pretty cool guys. We think we're super cool. Yeah, Tom. I'll see you next week. We'll talk, I think we're, are we going to talk Mission Impossible? We've both seen it, but we wanted to, you wanted to sit on it a little bit longer before we dove. Yeah,
0: because I'm rewatching the whole franchise. So I, I want to have a whole Mission Impossible franchise conversation.
1: Okay, sounds good. I am uh, fresh to talk about it. It's uh, I've seen it twice, so maybe that spoils my review, but.
0: No, th- it's good. If you like Mission Impossible, you'll like it.
1: All right, yeah. So all We right, will explain we'll, why later. We will talk about it next week. Tom, I will see you then. I'm going to go get some sleep. Okay, bye everybody. I love you all so, so much.